0: it's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com profootballfocusnfl focus NFL. If you like our show, you're going to love the official Lakers podcast on podcast one. Join Emmy award-winning sports reporter Susie Schuster and co-host Aaron Larsoul as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and sports personalities. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, exciting football action continues on, and Daily Fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever this season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy recently released a $300,000 NFL baller contest with a $30,000 first-place prize. It's just $10 to enter. you got to check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little cash. Get started right now. It's yahoo.com slash Fantasy. That's yahoo.com slash Fantasy. And when you make your first deposit, use the promo code POD25. That's P-O-D-2-5 get $25 in free play. That's POD25, promo code for $25 in free play. All right, it's now time to talk to Sam about Poll Sports, an online site that allows you to get your instant fantasy football advice through real-time polls. We've been pushing this for a couple weeks now, and it's just a great concept. Poll Sports allows you to create a poll with your custom league settings, and then you get votes and advice from credible fantasy players answering such questions as who to start, who will win a trade, who to drop, and who To pick up, Sam, you've created a couple polls over there. Tell everybody about poll sports.
1: Yeah, I like this concept because, you know, the world is full of people trying to get fantasy advice. And you you basically just have to go looking for the people you think are the best minds and hope, you know, they give you their advice. But this, there's receipts, Steve. You get to see the record of people answering these questions. You get to figure out who the guys who actually know what they're talking about are. And go after them. Take only their advice because those are the guys with the proven track record. That is a, an outstanding idea that I'm all in favor of.
0: Yeah, it's really a slick concept. Other outs- other websites out there are trying to determine the experts for you, as we said. But you get to post the poll. You see the votes and advice come in almost instantaneously. The advice you receive is tailored to those league settings. You search polls by player name. See what's already been created. And best of all, Pole Sports is completely free to use, and there are no paywalls of any kind. So head to PollSports.com to set up your free account and get instant advice today. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzola here with Sam Monson. What are we previewing this week? The NFL, Steve. Nine? Same as every week. Week nine. Same thing we do every week, Pinky. And we're all just creeping back toward average... It's the shirt I'm wearing. It is. PFF Shop. Go check it out. Shop.pff.com. Shop.pff.com. You remembered where? Where? what the inspiration behind that was. It was from Dodgeball, yes. It's not Hulkamania. The average Joe's. I still think it's a tear-away t-shirt. If Those... you tear away that t-shirt, I am leaving this podcast. We'll see, we'll see how the show goes. One of these days, if I come in all roided and jacked up, <laughs> maybe, maybe we rip it right off. Yeah. And I'll be like, Quinn...
1: Buy me a new one. You roided to the gills would be quite a terrifying prospect. I mean, you're already large enough to terrify certain people around the office. If you also put on like eighty pounds of pure
0: muscle, I'm tempted. That would be scary. I'm tempted to get really good at basketball. Yeah, like really good. Like why? Why good? Really, YMCA yeah, yeah. good. High you know? level Y player. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, that's probably my peak right now yeah i'm not there no i can hold my own in a ymca game i mean i'm well just I'm from six yeah,
1: dimensions alone gives you a massive y
0: advantage but over i'm tempted people. to like i just haven't had anything to work out for other than you know not dying right so other than that there's been no motivation and then i started to see some of my limitations on the court yeah and like i'm like going upwards a little jumping yeah you're air. making fun of my vertical and you know Layups are difficult sometimes, and there's a lot of things we need to improve upon
1: I'm just sad that you don't get to see your vertical from my vantage point if you could only let's see the yourself here, leap into the, uh, I'm not
0: into the air let's leap. get our team there to you know get some footage of one of our pickup should. games yeah and then just use that as uh blackmail fodder
1: well, I mean I don't think we want. need it for I just I just I feel you miss out by not seeing your vertical yeah it's quite the spectacle it's quite the sight to
0: behold well it used to be Used to be much higher. I swear. I mean not much higher, but higher. All right, let's get into the action here. So yeah, get your creeping back toward average shirt because you know you, you might be having a terrible day. And this is like the first step. Sure. Just creep back toward uh-huh. average and then you'll have a good day. That's after a that.
1: pretty uh you you didn't want to take the iron to that or anything, no? Press it a little bit. You just straight out of a bag or something.
0: Oh yeah. This this looks that bad? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a bad representation then. The
1: thing is, I uh, didn't even I don't even notice that kind of stuff really. You know what? Well, yeah,
0: it just came out of the package. It tends to be the thing that, you know, the wife notices.
1: Like, are you going outside like that? Yeah. What?
0: Oh, I'm usually very cautious of not having. So I don't even notice
1: that stuff. And yet I'm looking at that going, wow, did you just like crawl out of somebody's trunk? No, it's just straight
0: out of the package here. It got delivered and I put Mm. it on. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, let's get to this week's games. Today's Thursday. We got 49ers at the Arizona. Cardinals yes for the Thursday night matchup one that did not look attractive maybe early in the year and now pretty is actually is pretty intriguing yeah don't make fun of me I didn't say the right words in the right order didn't say a thing um (laughs) yes it is
1: uh particularly given that it's at Arizona if this was at San Francisco, I suspect this would be not that attractive, and you know, pretty much foregone conclusion. Yeah, I already think it's a vaguely foregone conclusion, um, in that that Forty ers defense looks legitimately nasty. Now it will be presented with things that it doesn't see every week because nobody plays this kind of Arizona offense in terms of personnel grouping, formations, all that kind of stuff. So at least we're going to see something different against this group. But like, it's good, and it should more than hold its own against that Cardinals offense at which point if the 49ers offense gets anything going should be a comfortable win
0: Cardinals offense I mean defense has actually shown you know signs of life at times in recent weeks they're they're a little up and down but um, you know the 49ers have the creative run game very strong run game we still want to see a little bit more from Jimmy Garoppolo and I think it's a great challenge for Kyler Murray who again we've said has uh, trajectory-wise, at least been getting better over all of these last three or four weeks.
1: Yeah. Somebody in our live chat box just said that the guy in the yellow shirt blocked me on Twitter because I called him a mean name.
0: Oh. <laughs> I don't really block people either. <laughs> so it must have been really mean. Yeah. I block a few people where it's like I mute a lot of people. Yeah. Because muting is just great. It's I mean, like, I- all right, if you're just going to bring this much negativity to my life... I don't need it. I'm going to mute you. I've and you don't even know it.
1: Yeah. I've definitely pivoted to the mute overall. Yeah. Um, as a strategy. And there was a long time that I didn't, I hadn't blocked anybody for years, almost as to a point of pride. It's like, yeah, you're kind of thin skinned and weak if you block people. Yeah. Um, and then when the Tom Brady thing happened back in 2014. Well, my timeline was such a complete and total train wreck. Let's see how my shirt looks on. that I immediately just decided? Look, all right. If you want to talk about this, that's fine, right? But if your first initial tweet to me contains some form of like overt insult, then I, I don't need that. We, I'm blocking you. So I blocked like 500 Patriots fans that day, and that was the start of my my ch- purging yeah. strategy. Of look, there's a certain level of human whose initial interaction with you will be to call you a name, right? If that's your initial thought process, I don't need you. I can
0: get rid of that. No, nah, I hear you. I, mean, I, I don't block a ton of people unless it's extreme. So if I blocked you, man, you deserved it.
1: Well, you're going to have to go after him on uh, on YouTube now as well. you got to find who it
0: is and get rid of him. Looking like a snack? <laughs>
1: what? Anyway, so... Let's bounce through Thursday night because it's already happened for most people. We all think the 49ers won, and presumably they
0: did. All right, let's get to the weekend's action then. You put this as one of the games of the week. Yeah. Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. AFC South ramifications. Look, we have MVP
1: candidate against MVP candidate.
0: Is that how you're positioning it?
1: No. But look, anytime anytime you've got Minshew going up against an MVP candidate, you've got to take that chance.
0: So I'm all on. I'm all in. So Deshaun Watson and Gardner Minshew, I believe, is who you're referring to. Not Leonard Fournette and J.J. Watt or anything like that. J.J. Watt's torn his pants. I understand he's He's out. And that's one of the things to watch. How are they going to replace J.J. Watt? We were having a uh, Deshaun Watson discussion around the office earlier today because in the last couple days, I've seen George and Eric, both guys from the PFF forecast, which by the way, you guys should also check out either here on the YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to this podcast. But both guys have kind of hinted at, hey, they really love the type of season Deshaun Watson's having. Uh, Eric said, hey, Watson's the MVP. And he was like, look, I'm just kind of projecting it. And, you know, Watson is our number six graded quarterback right now. If you include Drew Brees, number five, if you don't include Brees in his 92 dropbacks. Mm -hmm. 84.4 grade, number one rushing grade at 88 or number two rushing grade, I I believe it is. But if you take away... Watson's one game against Carolina I think we do get too caught up in the most recent thing we saw which Watson the most recent thing we saw was a spectacular touchdown you take that away though he's a 90.5 grade Mm -hmm. which is right up there in Russell Wilson territory yeah now you can't take away that game but sometimes you do that just for perspective to say you take this one out of your memory banks and the rest of the season has been as good as you think it has been
1: and we've been talking before about how he does seem to be able to consistently manufacture his best play for the most critical times, right? Mm -hmm. And it is going to take a lot of bad for me to erase the image in my brain of him getting kicked in the eyeball, getting up mid-play, fixing his face mask and throwing a game-winning touchdown. Yeah. That is absurd. If I came along and threw a cleat in your eye, you would be on the ground in a heap in the fetal position like rubbing your eye, trying not—you wouldn't why, see anything. Why are you bringing me into this? Anybody, you, me, oh, oh, all of us—we'd be laid down on the floor in a heap, trying desperately to see him. Does like, just fixes his head and throws a touchdown.
0: Yeah, absurd, absolutely ridiculous. We discussed this a few weeks back too, because coming off of that Carolina game again, which was terrible in Week Four, he put up that you know twenty-eight for thirty-three for four twenty-six. Again, it was against the Falcons. Fine. <laughs> Um, but he bounced back and we said he's got some of that superstar type of ability where you either write him off and he's going to find a way to get it done, or he can kind of trudge through a game and then make the plays in the clutch. Let's not forget just how ridiculous his week one game was against the saints. I mean, back to back big time throws to essentially drive the Texans the length of the field before they eventually blew it. He has multiple plays like that crunch time, Game on the line,
1: he always seems to come come through there. The other point that Eric made, um, which I think is a really good one, is so last year he led the league in terms of pressure percentage by yep. a distance, like by a mile. Now that Houston offensive line was bad, but he led the league by a distance. He's one of those quarterbacks that always holds the ball longer than pretty much anybody else out there. Um, this season, that's dropped all the way to the 12th, most pressure right and we've you know you can say oh they brought in laramie Tunsil. obviously that's the difference there but the houston offensive line was not even was not grading that badly last year they were already creeping back they crept toward last year um they've done the same thing this year they've taken another step in they're that above direction. now right so that's what i'm saying they've, they've gone another step in that direction but it's very very important to stress how much of that is on the quarterback because quarterbacks do own their own pressure rate. And if you look even at time to throw, we've gone from being basically the longest time to throw in the NFL. Now he's all the way down at 18th, 18th longest.
0: And and so a lot of the the criticisms did carry into early this year. I do think there were times where he was getting sacked too many times. Some were on him recent weeks though. Right. They've and, done a much better job. And again, it's not, you know, it's
1: not going from one end to the other, right? It's going from one end to the middle. But the point is that that movement from basically holding the ball longer than any other quarterback and consequently taking more pressure than any other quarterback has gone from literally one end of the spectrum. Like he would be either number one or number two at both of those areas consistently to now somewhere in the middle, right? Yep. And that is that is completely remaking your game and fundamentally changing things to your advantage. Now, having a guy like Tunsil will help, but massive amount of that has been... Deshaun Watson completely changing the style and his way of playing to to the benefit of himself. This is the only sort of analog I can really think of in recent years to this is when Peyton Manning had to completely change his game when he realized he couldn't throw the ball anymore. When he came back, went to Denver after that neck surgery, spent one game against the Falcons throwing the same seam he'd thrown for like 10 years, realized that he no longer had the arm to make that throw and had to be like... Oh, crap. Like, I need to fundamentally change the way I play the game. <laughs> this is going to take a while, right? And remade his game and played really well for a couple of years and then obviously fell off the cliff at the end. But that's the only time I can really think of a quarterback changing his game that much, basically, you know, over the course of a season. Are you saying
0: Watson's there or in the process?
1: I mean, I'm saying he's made that level of seismic change already, and I don't know if he's done yet. Like, he may be... Yeah, right.
0: I feel like there's still a process.
1: Right. He may still be heading here. in that direction, but it's already that level of seismic change to go from a player who is, you know, the the one of the Russell Wilson debates is if he's going to hold onto the ball that long and invite that much pressure on himself, at what point does that become a problem, right? So he makes a ton of huge plays by doing that, but at what point is that like an overall net negative right. or a negative that you could mitigate by saying, do less of that, right? Deshaun Watson was in the same bucket. It's like he invites a ton of pressure on himself. And he makes a, a huge amount of plays anyway, but at some point you need to take less of those. You need to have less of that pressure on you. Cuz it's just asking her it's asking you, you're asking yourself to do too much. I think we're seeing him now help himself out by changing the way how much of that he he uh, invites. And that's I I think it was a great point. I just I don't think you can overstate how important a shift in his play that
0: is. So we've got that component and just the fact that I think the Texans overall talent level is not great on offense. We've seen that throughout Watson's career, his ability to elevate those around him. I think there's something to that. Um, So, yes, I think Watson Watson was a guy coming into the season. I think I think we had enough information to say he's not yet a top 10 guy in our mind. But now just the article that I posted this week, which was grading over the last two seasons we've got him in the top eight and I think you've got a little bit of of this element of being able to elevate the play around them and maybe he's a little bit better than even the grades would indicate I always go back and forth on that because he gets away with some stuff but at the same time
1: there there is
0: this like macro level that offense always produces no matter who's out there and there are negatives you can point to
1: to illustrate why his grade isn't quite as high as you know even we are waxing lyrical to. he's got 14 turnover worthy plays this season
0: he's definitely gotten away with a lot right which is the
1: fourth most right only Jameis, daniel jones jared goff have more turnover worthy plays so that's it is a lot you know you you have to you have to overlook a lot if you're saying he is one of the very best quarterbacks in the nfl because of those negative plays in there now he has 17 Big time throws, which is fifth. So, you know, he does do a lot to offset those. But there is a lot of negative in there that you do have to look past to give him all of this
0: credit. On the other side, the other uh, MVP candidate that you were talking about, Gardner Minshew, our highest graded rookie quarterback. He's just above Kyler Murray. And in the article this week, uh, ranking the quarterbacks, I had to write, look, I mean, we love Minshew when he's thrown the ball. This is what I said about Flacco, too. I was like, when he's actually thrown the ball, it hasn't been that bad. Right. Um, Minchu has been better than Flacco, but the actual throwing has been good. It's just been the pocket presence in the fumble. I mean, we're talking at least once a week where there's like a head scratching. You held it too long, poor ball security, not one of those strip sacks. that's not really uh, avoidable. If Minchu can cut, cut down on those, everything else is fine.
1: And I think that's, I think that is one of those things that is a young, young quarterback, rookie quarterback um trait, right? Yeah, sure. Everyone, it's one of those cliches that the you know the game slows down for these guys as they get better in the n f l and all that kind of stuff. I think honestly where that manifests itself the most is those plays where it's going so fast that you can't you can't decide where to get rid of the ball and you just you sort of freeze and you try and buy too much time and ultimately you end up getting sacked right but I don't think it's actually it's moving so fast so you make bad decisions with the football passing it. I think it's that it it's moving so fast that you you end up paralyzed by your own inability to make the decision and get the ball in the air early enough, and you just try and buy more and more time, and you don't have that kind of time at this level.
0: Yeah, Minshew's got so he's got the fourth lowest fumble grade in the NFL, and just to reiterate, the fumble grade just the, you know you're going to have a bad grade on the ones that just the just the ones that we grade with harsh downgrades essentially. Yeah.
1: So if you get stripped sacked from behind, you never knew it was yeah. coming. You didn't you
0: know linger. And In, in an a 25 grade, by the way, that's about like one per game. Right. That's, that's that's in like the one per game range. Kyle Allen's up and We'll talk about Kyle Allen later. But that was a big part of why Kyle Allen's overall grade was much lower than the 107 passer rating going into last week. But overall, Minshew, here's what I love. There are so many there. Are, there are some plays where he throws with outstanding anticipation as well. He's been able to mitigate a subpar NFL arm because of it hitting cover two shots hitting deep outs you know that's that's like the holy grail right like you go to pro day to watch your to watch these dudes throw a deep out right Mm. and then you watch an NFL game to realize it doesn't matter what they looked like at their pro day because if Gardner Minshew throws it before the guy makes his break and he throws it accurately who cares right and he does that pretty consistently uh the ability to know where to go with the ball throw with anticipation and throw the ball accurately if I was to ask you which one of these
1: quarterbacks over the season has more scrambles who would you say
0: which oh Watson or Minshew? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely Watson, right? Right.
1: Incorrect, Steve. Well I'm, I'm eh, eh. i
0: since you were asking. No, that, no I know, I got, it. Yeah, thanks, I got thanks. it. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That 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 worked nice. I caught on to your
1: got it. yeah, context. It's like a leading question. Well done. Um yeah. So Deshaun Watson has it's only by one, by the way. Deshaun Watson has twenty five, Minshew. So has they're the 26. same guy six yeah exactly yeah um which is the second most in the nfl but again that so that's that's sort of more of the same point right as you get yourself into trouble by trying to buy more time eventually you end up having to bail on the idea of passing the ball at all just taking off and making things happen with your legs that's Minshew's flaw right now right he is an accurate quarterback he's got the sort of he's got some of that moxie the the deshaun watson ability to make some big plays at the key time he's able to make all the throws albeit you know his ability to make that crazy deep out that you talk about is not what's going to leap off the the page to you, but he can make pretty much all the throws. You know, we talked before about a hail mary attempt that fell short of the end zone.
0: By yeah, there's, I mean, if you're asking him to throw at forty plus yards, he probably he needs uh, a little bit of room, Need some and, wind up. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's that's like Fitzpatrick. Right. Style. But
1: broadly speaking, he can make all the throws. But his issue is this this sort of relatively slow processing time right now, which is causing him to either. Linger in the pocket too long, get sacked or fumbled, or sort of too many of his plays have to have to end up with scrambles because he hasn't been able to process and get the ball out of it out of his hands early enough. But the thing is, I think this is a general rookie trade, and if he actually like develops i mean what even if it takes till next year, if he develops that and sort yeah. of minimizes that part of his game, like he'll be
0: good i'll I'll just i'm gonna look at it slightly different and say he does have the second most yards on scrambles behind Russell Wilson this year. Sure. So that's a big part of his game. So oh, it yeah. is... But those, the, you know, the, a lot of that is
1: just attempts, right? Those are two of the five but most it, frequent
0: scramblers. But he's, but it's finding the balance between letting him make those plays uh-huh. and trying to avoid... Yeah, I'm not saying you need to
1: eliminate it from his game. I think he's got good ability to do that stuff. I'm just saying that the, the volume that he currently has, i.e. the only person that's done it more is Josh Allen, is indicative of this relative slow processing time that he has which is his biggest flaw i'm not saying that like you eliminate that entirely from his game going forward but i'm saying that when the game speeds up for him as the cliche goes he won't do it as often right so you'll end up let's say you cut that in half and instead of 26 scrambles over the season he's got 13 which puts him where carson wentz and aaron Rodgers are that's perfect right those two guys are both athletic those two guys are both capable of making plays with their legs but they do it half as frequently as Minshew does. So that's basically my point. That's a fair point. Thank you.
0: On the other side, Texans do have to replace J.J. Watt and has 52 pressures. That's a lot. Next closest, here are the Texans' pressure totals. That's actually total.
1: absurdly a
0: lot, by the way, because oh, there's yeah. only
1: been two guys, I think, in the history of our grading that have gone over 100 yes. pressures for a season, and halfway through the season, therefore, he was on track to do that.
0: You're not one of our data scientists, but you you nailed it. Thank you. He's on pace for over 100 uh, before the peck tear, uh, Whitney Merciless is number two on the team with 24. DJ Reader <laughs> so has 17. So, so the second guy has got less than half the number of pressures. Here's the thing. The next three guys have combined for 55. Yeah. Uh, well, that's my quick math. I hope that's right. Nicely done. 41 plus. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well, let's just say it is. So there? Whitney Merciless, DJ Reader has 17, and Charles Amenihue the rookie, has 14. Those three guys combined have 55 pressures. J.J. Watt to the IR with 52 pressures. Yeah. So just something to keep an eye on. That means there's more pressure on the Texans secondary. That, I think, is the biggest weakness on their team. And if we're talking about the Texans are supposed to be right there with the Chiefs and the Colts as the team that teams that can challenge the Patriots. But, if man, if the Texans secondary does not improve – I don't care how good Deshaun Watson right. is, they're in trouble.
1: I mean, the secondary is huge. The fact that there's a good chance J.J. Watt was papering over some qu- cracks there as well is a big thing like that. The loss of J.J. Watt is is bigger than it may have ever been if they, nah, not ever, like the first couple of years he was that pass rush. But since they assembled that sort of three-tiered group of J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, and uh, Jadavian Clowney slash uh, Javon Kurse. I don't know if you were going to forget and go Javon Curse. No, I know. I was, or... thinking, I was thinking about how to do it. Um, but since they had that group, this is the biggest loss that losing J.J. Watt could have on them um, because obviously they shipped away Jadeveon Clowney and Whitney Merciless hasn't been as good as he's been in the past. So, yeah, I mean, they, what, they need that pass rush.
0: Let's explain our picks. And then I'm going to call out one of our commenters Uh-oh. who called you out. Oh, I'm okay. going to defend you. Oh, sweet. About the red zone. Uh, so- I went Houston. I'm going Jacksonville. Ooh, I think they. I think they might have just a better all-around team here. Okay, you're going to ride the Lenny wagon. Yeah, man, it's happening. Fair enough. He leads the
1: league in rushing, right?
0: I don't know. I, I meant to mention it on the other the other day because we've been very harsh to Lenny Fournette. To Lenny, yeah, he looks he looks pretty good. Well, he's made he's
1: in recent weeks, basically since we trashed him. I think on the air.
0: Um, honestly, it's since that, the Thursday night game against Tennessee, which was one of the most absurdly poor yeah, running back outings right. until he stumbled, then we into trashed like a, him.
1: Then he went on a run, He stumbled
0: right? into a 60 yard run at the end of that game though. Yes. And then like, since that run, he's just looked more crisp. And let me just tell you, this is a little bit more in line with his college career. There were times like as a true freshman at LSU, he just looked like a man amongst boys. Like here's this monster true freshman who just doesn't move all that well, other than in a straight line. I feel like that was the first couple of years of his NFL career. Straight line stuff, fine. Nothing else was dynamic about Fournette. He's got a little more wiggle to his game, showing off a little bit more of the power, and he's got a couple of these big plays showing up every
1: well, now Well, he's and got a lot of these big plays. This is my point, right? So 46% of his yardage has been these breakaway runs so far.
0: That's one of the most unstable parts of yes. rushing stats. So
1: now, what I think, well, what has happened is he's... He's run into a few teams that have missed these tackles in the critical point. Like one of the criticisms we leveled at him is we just didn't break tackles at the NFL level, right? And in college, you get a guy that's 250 pounds and runs a 4-4 or whatever he ran, runs into a guy my size. It should be a broken that's tackle. That's a missed tackle, right? yeah. Yeah. And it's and then he goes off for 70. And look at that, look at that guy. He's amazing. At the NFL level, he was running into guys that weigh 40 pounds more than me. Well, okay, 30 pounds more than me. Um, They're bringing him down, and suddenly he's just not going anywhere because he's not particularly elusive. He's not particularly fast. The burst isn't really there. He needs that broken tackle to be able to get some headroom, and then he's gone. But he ran into Will Parks, who missed him twice against Denver. That was a big game. And he's run into a few people so far where they're falling off these tackles now, and he's been able to bust off a bunch of these big runs. Now, credit to him for that because that's what was missing from his game. That was the biggest criticism I think I had at that point. What I would say is that I doubt that's sustainable. I think ultimately right. somebody will, like, ultimately people will stop missing those tackles on him. I don't think that's a skill you develop in the course of a yeah. few weeks. That's now fixed. I just think he. So looks, I think ultimately people will snag those tackles on him, and he won't have the same level of production as he's
0: had. I don't know where his weight is, but you know how you always hear, "Oh, running backs are either they're going to drop ten to fifteen, yeah. whatever." He looks like the guy that tried to drop ten to fifteen to be a little bit quicker, and it actually worked. That's yeah. what he just looks like right now. So far. Who are you um, calling out? So one guy, you know, you you had the Andrew Siciliano thing. You said he was the one who said that Jadavian Clowney was Javon Kurse. Yeah. And somebody's like, no, you idiot. Siciliano does not host the Red right. Zone. Scott, it's Scott Hansen, Hansen hosts Red Zone Channel. I'm going to give a little history of the Red Zone Channel. Okay. Oh, Scott Hansen did not invent the Red Zone Channel. Didn't invent it? Everybody thinks that Scott Hansen's the guy. Well, he does the one that most people see. Does everybody know here that there are two red zone channels? Well, apparently not, because that guy didn't. There are two red zone channels, and it started on Directv. It started with the, the, with Directv. That okay. was a part of the Sunday Ticket package. Uh-huh. That's the one Andrew Siciliano does. Yeah. Then they they brought it to like Comcast and all the other yeah, cable yeah. providers. And now there's a lot of people who don't have Sunday Ticket, and that's what they watch, right? right? And that's zone the one. And so that's team. the one that most people see. So most people see Scott Hansen. Yeah. And then Directv folks see Andrew Siciliano. Yes. Now, why do they have two? It's a good question, Steve. Well, because Siciliano, when he's on DirecTV, can tell you which channel to go to because he knows you have all the yeah. games, right? So he could be like, hey, <laughs> go check out seven twelve. The Niners are about to score on the Panthers again. Or whatever it is, right? It really doesn't feel worth it. To well, that's, off. It is... It it is a very difficult thing to. I mean, people love Scott Hansen because Scott he's so a master. He's so at good at it. I mean, you're sitting there for eight plus hours a day, By the following way, the action. And I'm being starting really
1: good. to think that Scott Hansen might just be a master. Period. Did you see him taking shots at Dave Portnoy during the week? No, it was amazing. I did not like Portnoy was obviously watching Red Zone, losing his mind over like bets or whatever, and went on this like video rant over Twitter where it's like you know selfie, I hate Scott Hansen, yada yada. Scott Hansen replied to him saying something like, "I don't blame you. If I had lost enough money betting that I had to, that all I could afford was bacon collared T-shirts like you, I'd be pretty pissed off as <laughs> That's well." That's amazing.
0: And then live on the air?
1: No, no, no. Like in Twitter, oh, Twitter. to Twitter.
0: Oh, I got you. Um,
1: and then he had like another rant and at Scott Hansen as well, and he replied saying, "You know what? What really pisses me off is when I'm in the middle of a childish temper tantrum is people telling me to calm down. So calm down, Dave." <laughs> Scott Hansen. <laughs> like, amazing. not only was he replying to him like right off the bat but he was torching him so scott, scott hansen might just be a superhero we might Scott's have to great. we might have to put him up on the uh the yeah, inspiration next
0: wall what's he inspiring us to be just just awesome. better just be better just be better <laughs> just be better be scott hansen because apparently he's great do you want my degrees of separation to yeah uh, do it do it
1: to Hip, portnoy. How, oh to portnoy not okay.
0: not to scott
1: okay how can you get me from portnoy you? how many steps
0: i'm from north Reading, massachusetts uh-huh. he's from Swampskit, right so that's a few towns over Portnoy went to my high school coach's baseball camp huh. growing up. All right. So that's three degrees
1: separation, essentially.
0: Yeah. yeah. My high school coach whose girlfriend's niece married The Rock. <laughs> so
1: how are you connected to everybody?
0: By a couple degrees of separation, we'll get there. Right. Yeah. I, it's, my it's, high school coach is he's a he's a strong cog in the uh degrees of separation, as you can see. Yeah, that's connects me to Portnoy into uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: Yeah. That's still quite. You're just always talent. so impressed. I really am.
0: Let me just see how I could relate this to me. Did you see me tweeting about the World Series last night? Like, oh, as a former Canadian-American League champion, let me tell you what the players are thinking here before Game Seven of the World Series. Huh? Okay. No, I didn't see that.
1: Uh, it was just a joke. I haven't, uh, haven't kept up a lot on the World Series. It's over here. It's over now, though. Yeah. yeah.
0: Could you I believe also that the I... Nationals were facing elimita- elimination so many times throughout the playoffs, and they still pulled it off. I know it's
1: amazing. I also read about how a guy. They realized that he was tipping his pitches mid-game and fixed it. Yeah, apparently that's
0: very unusual. Oh man, I'm pretty sure that's why I'm doing football now. Because you were tipping pitches. Yeah, I think I was definitely tipping pitches. Huh. It's just it's a scary thing because you put the ball in your glove and it's like I got to get my slider grip, but do I spin it too many times on my slider and not enough on my fastball? So then pitchers would just start wiggling their glove right. and you can never. So figure that's it. apparently what he did to fix yeah, it. Yeah, I of said start jiggling your glove. I should have just.
1: That feels like something you would. Like if that's a possibility, wouldn't that just be what you always do?
0: Once you figured out what you're doing, just keep yeah messing but this with it's just a weird it's just a weird thing to do. I don't know they, I they g- still I could, I could the, hitters solid. are really good at that. they got nothing else to do right, well, obviously, they only work eleven percent of the time, and the other hmm. when they're not hitting, they're just staring at you, yeah, to see what the next move you're gonna make.
1: It just feels like that's a very easy thing to be able to like randomize with movement so yeah. that you can't pick pitch
0: or I pick think up that's on what's true. That that's why I gave up bombs, definitely, yeah. Because the other thing is you can, you know, you, you got your glove on and you put your finger outside the glove. And a lot of guys, they point with their finger when they're going to throw certain pitches or whatever. So then you cover that up. And I never got the the covering. So I was definitely tipping. <laughs> definitely. And here I am. Uh, it
1: feels to me that the, uh, that the, so the, the mental image of you trying to take off and go airborne for a dunk feels very similar to the mental image of you like winding up on the mound, loosing it and then. Just watching
0: it sail over your head out of the stadium. I have some old uh, videos, if you want me to pull up some some, like me giving up. And it's just an endless sequence of that? No, there's just like a couple. There's like one me taking a laser off the leg from a side view. And then there's one me giving up a walk-off home run just from the the behind the plate view. All you can see is me. Yeah. And my head go down and walk off the mound, <laughs> You'd probably enjoy it. You could probably gif it up and but make it. Do a you fun like
1: one. so the thing that I think would make it comedy magic is if it's, you know, you, you just see you pitching and then all you see is you tracking the flight of a ball uh, off into the distance somewhere.
0: No, this one was then such a head down and this was such off. a no brainer, I didn't look I kinda like glanced and then just went. You just heard it. it was yeah, like, you just knew. <laughs> I don't even need to see it. I know that's going out Sometimes of Sometimes you throw such a bad pitch you know that things get... Well,
1: it's like sometimes you see kickers off the tee sometimes, you know? You know as soon as they hit it, it's good. I don't need to see... I I can walk away. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll send you some clips.
0: I know you hate when I talk about baseball, but if it's... No, I'm okay with that. Uh, That seems fun. Well, I have to show you some good ones too. Uh, All right. Anyway, let's move on. This is going to be a (laughs) six-hour podcast. Minnesota Vikings at the Kansas City Chiefs. What's the word on Mahomes, man?
1: So it sounds like he's not going to play, right? And even though... He's not going to play. I put this as one of the most interesting games of the week because – It is. Yeah. Even without Mahomes, I think – I mean, th- so what was interesting is, you know, last week it sounded like he might actually play last week. It's like he's practicing, and that's insane. And then ultimately it was like, no, we're going to go with Matt Warren. Yeah, all right, fair enough. That makes sense, right? But if he was that close to playing last week, how can he not be playing this week? Uh, I don't think he was that close to playing last week. Possibly. But either way, it feels like – it sounds like – they're basically just prepared to be cautious, and I think it's like we've seen enough in Matt Moore uh, starting in his stead to know that you know what, we're not screwed. Yeah, like we don't need to rush Mahomes back as soon as humanly possible. A, the rest of the
0: division is not exactly terrifying, and B, like even just the race to the number one seed beyond New England, I sure. mean, the, the a, to a buy is not that difficult, right? Or and it's the, not that
1: you know the, big the, of a the climb right the now. The Green Bay game essentially, like it's not like. Matt Moore was dramatically outclassed in that. The game came down to essentially we gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers at the end, and that was probably an error. But, you know, he held his own. It's not like this was a disaster and we got waxed. So I think they've come to the conclusion that Matt Moore, quarterback, is not a reason to rush back Mahomes if he's anyway doubtful. So I think it sounds like they'll they'll take their time there. So this then becomes a pretty fascinating game between this Minnesota Vikings team, which has good defense, not a great defense going up against what is one of the best offensive schemes in the NFL, protecting a quarterback to a certain degree. Um, and then you've got Minnesota's offense. It's kind of rolling right now. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, even the offensive line has kind of looked a bit better. Um, and they're going up against this Chiefs defense that is still bad. Yeah. So, like...
0: So- I, I I think there's got to... Be- the the Kirk Cousins analysis and story is like, all right, he's got to go the other way from his most recent trend. I mean, at some point. Yeah. So since week three, he's our highest graded quarterback over yep. 93. That was after the first two weeks. I mean, this is Donald ask right here.
1: After two weeks, we were talking about he needs they need to move on. He needs to be benched. If they only yep. had a backup option, he would be out of there. Stefan Diggs was trying to get himself out of the building. Adam Thielen was lighting him up to the press. Like, Kirk Cousins was the problem, and now we're talking about him in MVP terms. It's
0: ridiculous. Things move quickly. Yeah. Through two weeks, he had a 31 grade. Not 93. A 31 yes. grade, which was 42 out of 42 out of everybody that had uh, taken a snap at that point. So lowest in the NFL.
1: Yeah, you can literally draw a line in the season where left of it, Kirk Cousins was last
0: and right of it, he's first in, so in terms I'm, of grade. Given the fact that he's historically a 70 graded type of guy. Let's say 75. 75. He's in that 70 yeah. to 80 band. And, and, he, and he's peaked in the low 80 mm-hmm. range. I'm going to say right now he's, he's got to like, come down what, from 85-ish. his... 85 Yeah, and Ish. he's, he's got to come down from his 93 At some point. Now, I don't know if it happens. But even overall, like even factoring in the early stuff, I think he's like 85. Right now, he's an 84.1, 86 passing grade, and his rushing grade is down a little bit because of fumbles on scrambles.
1: So even to get to the high watermark of his band, he's got to come down five grading points, which means, you know, some bad games.
0: Yeah. But it's also not out of the realm of, like, if. If at any point during the three-year stretch that where he was in Minnesota, if I told you, yeah, you know, Cousins is going to put about put up about an 84-85 and grade, he's going to be a 100-plus passer rating yeah. guy and all that stuff, you're like, all right, yes, the that's whole, what we're buying.
1: Our entire narrative behind Kirk Cousins all the way along is he can go on a run that can take you to the Super Bowl. Now, the only problem is his run has gone from, like, week three to week nine, right? Yeah. They need this run to go from week 17 to the Super Bowl. Now – now you're asking to either have two runs
0: or to have a run that goes from week three through the Super Bowl, and, which is ambitious. And I really want to just see more of Cousins. Forget the prime time stuff. Like I don't. Oh, this game's in. It's under the lights, therefore it's a different game. Mm-hmm. Even though he struggled historically in those games. Yeah. For Cousins, it keeps coming down to, you know, beating good teams. And yeah. the Chiefs, if the Chiefs have Mahomes and he's got to face him in a shootout, that feels a little different. There's. It could still be a shootout with Matt Moore, but it's less likely. Yeah. And Kansas City's got a defense that I think Minnesota can still exploit. Yes. Um, so I'm not expecting really a ton of Cousins regression right now, but it's still an outdoor road game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another one of those games where he needs to continue to prove himself. Wow. You've gone full on to the, yeah, everyone else got in Minnesota and you went outdoor road game. Well, this Jeez. is, this is before I knew <laughs> officially, I didn't, I didn't do my Mahomes oh, you, research. You hedge with the Mahomes? Yeah. Yeah. Like Did it. we already put this out? Yeah. It's probably going out literally as we
1: speak. Our Twitter is exploding through people being angry at our picks. Oh, really? No, I mean, it probably is. That's oh, usually what like it happens, it. right? When we're locked into this, suddenly it, it bombs. Um, but that's – so it's an interesting dynamic, right, that we're all like <laughs> – there's a bunch of people that are like, ah, see, Kirk Cousins is great. You're like, okay, this- he's always been capable of doing these runs. Have you considered the fact that now his run has started earlier than you needed to? Because if it's starting in week three, it's probably not running through the playoffs. At which point, bad things. We
0: have a, a comment here.
1: Oh, yeah? Yes. We this is got many comments. That box is insane. I have to stop looking at it. Well, there's just
0: tons of people watching right now. This is why PFF is still lacking in analysis. They don't believe in significant changes. They can happen. You can see a different cousins as things around him have changed. I will say, yes. Right. So anytime- but his problem
1: is the significant changes happen every single season, multiple times. Yeah. So my I what think- you're asking us to do is suspend suspend all previous evidence of this happening every single year and say no no this time it's permanent.
0: I'm not going to use the example that was in my head, but sometimes there are statements that are made and then there's like an implication yeah. at the end of the statement. If we if everything that we said was like based off the data, I think this. This would be a very boring podcast. Sure. Or if I said, in my opinion, I believe this, by default, things I say are my opinion slash based off the data, right? Hashtag or my opinions in- of my own. Yeah. Or my interpretation of the data. Right. So over time, yeah, the data is going to be right. But everything, there are ranges of outcomes of all this stuff. Yeah. So yes, there can- are outlier seasons where a guy completely turns things around. Yes. But it, there are also... Over time, those things are generally not sustainable. People have a baseline that you expect.
1: Things can definitely change, and circumstances definitely dictate outcomes to a huge degree. We've talked before about how Andy Dalton, back in 2015, is a top-ten quarterback because suddenly the offensive line is great. They have A.J. Green plus two or three other weapons. Every other year, it's been A.J. Green, and that's it. And consequently, Andy Dalton isn't good, right? So the conclusion to draw there is that you give him that kind of supporting cast— and he raises his level. Now, is this year's Minnesota Vikings surrounding cast significantly better than the previous ones Kirk Cousins has been working with? Am no. I, my answer to that would be no. Having said that, if you look at his grading, every single year you see this, this run of good, run of bad, run of good. Like It bounces back and forth with very little in between. So you can look at his grading right now and say, all right, there has been a seismic shift. Kirk Cousins with a dramatically better supporting cast, with everything suddenly ticking in terms of offensive system, now this is the the Kirk Cousins that will be forevermore within this system. He's now a great quarterback. He got it. The light went on. Or you can say Kirk Cousins has an amazingly consistent history of going hot and cold. He's an amazingly consistently streaky quarterback. And right now he's in like the the teeth of a – Hot streak. He's looking amazing. But, like, why? <laughs> every other year it stopped. So why would this yeah. year be any different? Now, it might be. Maybe we're wrong. But, it's, again, uh, balance of probabilities. If I was a betting man, and sometimes I am, I would put a pretty large amount of money on him coming back down to earth at some point this year.
0: Even just using some of our stable or unstable metrics, the things that you want to look at and say, okay, this is a little bit of fool's gold versus this one we can trust. Once again, he's sitting there with a 92 passer rating number five in the NFL, went facing pressure. That's on 40% of his dropbacks. He's facing pressure, which is still a high amount due to those early season games. So he's got a 92 passer rating and something that's really difficult to sustain. And this was
1: exactly the same point we were making last year Last year, year and when then he started regressed. on fire against pressure. And it was like, guys, this is going to come back down to earth. And then down the stretch, he played like crap because he, his, against pressure, he was awful. So yeah, like, just, we, just trying to explain
0: where our analysis comes again, from. Again,
1: we literally predicted this a year ago. And we're like yeah.
0: predicting it again because the same circumstance is
1: happening. It just happened later in the year.
0: Now, I mentioned on Monday, the Chiefs have this fascinating dynamic where there are multiple games this year where you could just say, well, that's it. The run defense let them down in Kansas City. They're terrible. This to now it's a chance of being one. The cornerbacks let them down. They can't cover. The linebackers let them down. They can't cover. Like, every position is pretty much a weakness in Kansas yeah, the City. They're all letting fine. them down. This would be the one where the run game. Minnesota tries to run it down their oh, throat. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And does Kansas City sell out? Because you know you can you can improve upon. Th- this is the thing you can improve upon your run defense, like stacking bodies. In yeah, there. You, it, this and this is another part of this whole like run game versus pass game discussion. You can scheme up stopping the run. Yeah, it's very difficult to be like, all right, let me just have that perfect pass stopping scheme. Right, We, just got, scheme. we
1: just got played. Oh, who played us? The the dude with the Kirk Cousins question. He was just after better analysis.
0: Oh. Now that we gave him better analysis, he's happy. Well, now I'm just going to mail in the rest of the show. No. Okay. What do you think of that, man? That that feels like a vaguely self-defeating uh, response. I'm mailing it in now. You tricked me. No, I'm here. I'm here for the good analysis. Anyway. I'm here to give the good analysis. So, yeah, Kansas City still did a nice job. So, just to finish that defensive point, I expect Minnesota to be able to move the ball. The offense itself is running extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I think historically, you can say anything that Gary Kubiak's been around and the whole shanahan tree it's done well, for the most part, yeah, that whole tree I don't know who's the top of the tree or who's who's the root right you know because McVeigh apparently has his own tree now, but all those guys who's the root tend to uh touch things that that do well yeah. as far as offense and that's goes. why
1: I mean I can see why you would give. That's the one thing where you'd look at it and say, all right, this is different this year because they have this right. Kubiak system in there. It does have a proven track record of boosting the play of some people. On the other hand... for Peyton. Yeah. On the other hand, were, well, he didn't use it really,
0: right? They basically said, you know... It's well, pretty, no, the last yours. year. Is, he had one year with Kubiak.
1: No, no, but I mean they didn't use that system. They tried to. They used like... Man, like It was like, all they right, tried we to use
0: yours. Oh, we'll just use my system that's always worked. They tried so. to run boot action with Peyton and it was... Yeah,
1: but so... Yes, there's one thing that points to potentially this is a change. On the other hand, there are many pieces of evidence that say that this is what he's always done. He'll probably do it again. So I'm going to side with the many things over the one. That's what comes down to. Yeah. Anyway, I went Vikings, so did everyone else except you, who went Chiefs because you forgot that Mahomes wasn't.
0: I immediately of. regret that decision. Yeah. Unlucky. No, I don't. Kirk Cousins on the road was more my... Kirk Cousins on the road. Wow. Yeah. Cousins on an outdoor road game. We're not. It's not in Detroit anymore. It's not. Friendly confines of domes hmm. Kirk you got to go outside okay and win a football game hmm. Washington Redskins at the Buffalo Bills it's a Super Bowl rematch God, Mark Rippon and Jim Kelly what the hell year was that 1991 <laughs> what 1991 1990 was Giants Bills 91 yeah. was Redskins Bills then it was Cowboys Cowboys Bills Bills yeah. Cowboys Bills Cowboys Bills oh okay yeah this was the second of the Bills four Super Bowl defeats. Yes. Sorry, Bills, fans. That's poor Bills. Oh, I can't wait for our retro podcast. When should we do that? How should we structure that? I t- we were supposed to do that months ago and you were like, I don't have the time for that. No, but you don't want to do it in season. In season, there's like real things to talk about, but off season, how do we do it? Do we just say, here's a here's what we'll do. We'll pick like a random week. Of NFL action. What? Like, hang
1: on. Is this the same as the one where we're gonna like watch '80s cartoons and play no, no, video no, no. games? This is part this is of separate. This
0: is part of the PFF as NFL this show. As part of the PFF NFL podcast, not like our side. I, I, I don't know. That not that. our side gig. Yeah. We'll either watch highlights from a season, right? Like 1996, or we could watch like a week of NFL action. Like week How eight ninety six
1: week of ninety ninety six, or just type. like
0: key games. I don't know from like or like first half of ninety four or something. Whatever's you whatever YouTube has. Yeah. Plus, I've got I've got my own stash. <laughs> Plus, we work with the NFL. You know, we just see if they. Uh, this sounds like a terrible idea. Oh, this will be so much fun. See if the people want it. Tell us in the chat if this is something you want. Nobody wants. If this. we went back and I just want to break down some Mark Brunell, Jacks games. I know Can we that. Do that. Yeah, I know you Brackens. do. I don't think anybody else wants you to though. You don't. You people need to know. Just how good Tony Brackens was in Week 16 of 1996 against the Seahawks, <laughs> he was incredible. He had a pick, three pass breakups, yeah, a few knockdowns. It's incredible. Anyway, so Redskins Bills Super Bowl rematch. What are you looking for in this one? I mean, what no, are you looking? What do you what are you looking for? <laughs> Just none, look, none of the things you talked about. Um, I'm
1: the only thing I'm ever looking for in Washington games is Terry McLaurin. You know that he's going right. up against a pretty good pass
0: defense. No, um, this guy doesn't want it. That guy doesn't want it? One guy does. Okay. It's one-to-one. What? Keep voting. One-to-one. Oh God. about three people want. Captain Look, Liability it. wants it. We don't want this. I'm not having it. You know, another good podcast segment is me reading. Yeah. All the comments. the comments.
1: Why don't we just have a solo show, right, where you watch some Mark Brunel tape and you can talk to the chat box
0: and tell him how it was. Yes. Yeah. Who's in for and that? I don't need to be here. You just it? let me know how it went afterwards. Do you want me to just break down game by game my 1999 Jaguars? Sure, as long as I don't have to be there. I'll skip the Titans games, though. Yeah. They were undefeated against non-Titans teams.
1: Huh. Um, anyway, McLaren's going to be going up against this good pass defense
0: from the Buffalo Bills. Hold on. Everybody's asking about the 2000 Ravens. You know who lit up the 2000 Ravens? Oh, God. Mark Brunell. Yeah. Mostly Jimmy Smith. But, okay, sorry. Huh. God, this is... I am Good coverage for the Buffalo Bills. Hijacking the podcast. Um, it was yeah.
1: interesting seeing them go up against Alshon Jeffrey last week. Because, so, it, uh, at some point during watching the games, we were asking, like, if you were to create, like, an all-fat guy team, it's like people that were overtly too fat for their position, who would be in it, you know? So, for, like, wide receiver, one of them would be uh, Kelvin Benjamin, You're not, obviously. This isn't better content than me much talking. better content.
0: I'm talking 90s football thinking I'm leading our But there's a whole bunch of so any astray. of these positions,
1: right? Ben Roethlisberger is probably the quarterback, right? The guy right, that's too chunky thinking. for his position. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of these guys. Uh, it, it, C.J. Anderson, maybe, for running back. Whatever. You, uh, Lee Smith as your tight end. Dude looks like a tackle out there. Uh, so anyway, but it, it, was, it occurred to me that Alshon Jeffrey would have to be one of the wide receivers going up against these Judavious White, Levi Wallace, whose biggest thing is like you weigh 168 pounds or whatever. Yeah. And it's like it, it was, it was, a little bit looked, you know, mean. It's just this giant, huge human playing wide receiver, going up against these little bitty Buffalo Bills corners. Now, Terry McLaurin is no giant fat guy, but he's you know a reasonably big, physical receiver, and he's going up against these small corners that have covered really well. But if they, if they have a weakness, that's kind of it. Dealing with like these larger receivers or guys that can be physical and, and restrict them to that kind of thing. So I'm curious to see how that goes. What about you, Steve? Well, I,
0: yeah, interesting dynamic that you're looking at there Uh, i want to see i thought the bills looked a little bit like the 2017 bills where again it's it's still they still challenge things in the secondary they're not easy to pass on necessarily but the 2017 bills got run over like crazy in a number of games and you know early this year in particular they had shorted up and they didn't stop the run all that well against philadelphia philadelphia now you got the redskins and all they want to do yes. is go back to 1991 when they were a Super Bowl champion and run the ball. So uh, the top two graded run defenders on the Bills. Is John Riggins busy? I mean, he's still available. He's about the same age as Adrian Peterson. right? So. You can get him out there. Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine both those guys in the backfield. Mm. Think about how creatively you could average four yards per carry with those two. <laughs> Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. The two safeties are the top graded run defenders on the bills. They're getting some pretty good play from Shaq Lawson up front, but Harrison Phillips, who's normally a good run defender. He's been banged up only played in three games this year. He's hurt and inconsistent play uh, from other points. Good linebacker play this year from guys like Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, but run game wise, not so much. So I think that's going to be a factor. Yeah, I can see that. And then the Redskins secondary should be a cleaner opportunity for Josh Allen. Or a good opportunity for Josh Allen to play a nice, clean game.
1: Yes. I mean, we literally talked him up last week, and then he went out and had a stinker. So hopefully he gets, you know, back on course. He could. And plays a better game this week against Washington.
0: I think Buffalo overall does get back on track, though. Same. With the win. Yep. Indianapolis Colts at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't have any. It's like 1995 AFC Championship. Stop it. I don't have any.
1: Stop Uh, trying to connect every game. To a vaguely
0: interesting game. That's what I'm going to do. 25 years ago. That's what I'm going to do. Stop it. Maybe that's the podcast. We just take a whole bunch of... Not forget it. Colts at Steelers. Yeah. What are you looking for in this one? Let's see what your... What do you got? Notes say. Okay. Uh, What am I looking for in this one? I'm saying... So Jacoby Brissett, we've put him in the same conversation as Mitchell. Trubisky last week. Harsh. Only that... Not that he's playing as poorly as Mitchell the last two years. Only that I think they're winning... Despite Brissett, rather than because of him, he's really only got two good games on the resume this year. And if they're gonna do anything, he's gotta play better. True.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. But you know, we we've talked before as well about how they this roster is good and you know, Jacoby Brissett doesn't need to be Andrew Luck. He just needs to be able to not screw it up for them. And by and large, he's been able to do that so far. Um, I think the interesting pieces in this game are all sort of Pittsburgh. They're all on Pittsburgh side. Um, we've got TJ Watt coming off the game of his career, where he finally, not finally, where he looks like a superstar right now. Yep, um, he's going up against a better offensive
0: line in Indianapolis. That will be interesting to see how that goes. We just gave him our number one offensive line ranking halfway through the season here, Colts.
1: Yeah, right. So he's going from he's literally going from the worst offensive line to the best in the space of a week. So that in and of itself will be interesting to see how that. Um, manifest itself in his performance. And then I'm also really curious in the sort of receivers for Pittsburgh. Um, Deontay Johnson in particular is really starting to look like he can be the number two guy that we want to see emerge, right? Juju is is their number one. He's playing well, Um, not as well as necessarily he needs to, but the, the quarterback situation can't be ignored. But Deontay Johnson is starting to flash and look good as well. Um, James Washington is still a little bit MIA, which is disappointing, but Deontay Johnson looks good, and that will be interesting to see him, whether he can continue that stretch.
0: Just to follow up on the Colts and their offensive line, just looking at the pressure numbers, premium stats, PFF Elite, go check it out. If you go to the allowed pressure report, Mm -hmm. click on the Colts, and you just see who's allowed the most pressures for the team, and it adds all players in there. It's not just offensive linemen. The most pressures have been assigned to Jacoby Brissett. Yes. The quarterback has 20. He's tied with Mark Lewinsky, the guard, uh, right guard. They both have 20 allowed. And then Braden Smith, right tackle. um, He's given up 19. So, you know, another part of Brissett's development, we said he holds the ball a little bit too long. Still this year, he's allowed, or what what we're saying is allowed, but he's been essentially responsible for invited pressure. Uh twenty times so right. far this year. That's a, that's a big number.
1: Yeah, number two to Gardner Minshew. So again, number other, two among another, quarterback. Yeah, another point that
0: backs up the idea that Minshew holds on
1: the ball too. I mean, it's the AFC South. How hard could it be? Oh, right. This is true. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that was the big. That was Brissett's biggest flaw heading into this season. Um, one of the things we said needed to sort of fix. And I think he's been better at it. Just it's still a problem. Like he's only been responsible for three sacks which is low for him. Um, but as you say, 20 pressures, which is second most in the NFL.
0: Do you believe that the Steelers have a shot? Of what? The AFC North. Oh, no, not in this game. Right. Necessarily. I
1: right. mean, they, yes, they have a shot in this game. They, have no, they don't have
0: game. a shot at the AFC North. You know, so they are three and four, two games behind the five and two Ravens. The Ravens are playing Pitts, up uh, New England this week. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this week, we, could have a one game difference between the two teams. Yeah. As far as record goes. Mm-hmm. You don't think they have a shot, huh? No. All right. I mean Do you think that they think they have a shot? Don't forget the Steelers lost in overtime. Probably. With, un, with you know, an undrafted rookie quarterback out there. Duck. Duck. Can't believe they call him Duck. Have him out there in overtime. They had a fumble. You know, the Ravens squeaked by the Steelers yeah. in overtime. Uh huh. And if you no, know, I don't think the Steelers are completely. I don't think they think that they're completely out of it. Well, I definitely don't think they think they're completely out of it. But I, you know, I don't think they're going to do it. Mason Rudolph needs to play better football. Three big time throws, yes. eight turnover worthy throws. Oh, He's idea. had the highest percentage of yards after the catch um, of any quarterback in the league the last two years. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so he hasn't looked particularly good at all. Stats actually. are a little inflated. So I'm going indie with this one. I'm going with the better team. Same. Expecting a better showing from Jacoby. All right, New York Jets at Miami Dolphins. God. Dan Marino fake spike game. <sighs>
1: Nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are asking, is this the game, the one game that Miami can win this year?
0: I, I think look, I home. They game? gave the Steelers all they could handle in the first half. Yeah. On I mean they Monday were night. They
1: were fourteen nil up. The idea that they almost didn't cover a fourteen point spread, right? This Fifteen points, ridiculous. Spread. Um, bad. They, I, I mean, look, they're they, they're bad. They shouldn't win this game. I. They shouldn't win a game this year.
0: This has to be the game where Darnold gets back on track, right? We're talking about a guy that. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we had the seeing ghost game against the Patriots. Last week against the Jags, a bunch of turnover worthy plays again. He's been a roller coaster of emotions. He came. I mean, he was better. The first week he came back against Dallas, he was really good outside of pretty much two throws terrible against New England one of the worst QB games you'll see last week some good some bad but more bad than good yeah so which Darnold are we getting this week this should be the time that he performs well but I mean pretty much
1: everybody does well against Miami they should there's no reason that the Jets shouldn't win this game the Jets aren't good and they're better than the Dolphins
0: Xavier Howard's out um you see I I was of the mind and the more you've got guys like Xavier Howard just being shut down. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I was of the mind that Miami's defense is not as bad as they've shown. And they've been a little bit better than some of the early season disasters that they that they put out there. But when you start losing a guy like Xavier Howard, I mean, that's why they could have won a game. Because we always joke that any week he could look like Richard Sherman. Yeah. He was on his way to that the other day. Right. Um, you just lose that possibility now, and it, it makes it a little bit more, more difficult yeah. for Miami to win a game. And then you
1: start running those calls like... A- Zero blitz on third and twenty without covering anybody on the back end
0: that doesn't help either. That was like the legit engage. Well, Xavier looked quite confused. Oh, it was a oh, bust on the back anyway. end. Whatever. The, everything about that play was wrong. Right? One,
1: they sent eight and they weren't going to get there. Yeah, that was the most. That was the most egregious thing about that play. Somehow they sent eight and they were getting picked up. Like they had time to deliver that ball. Then on the back end, you've got three guys covering three guys, and one of them isn't. One of them just know it. Because he's playing like 20 yards off at the sticks on third and
0: 20. Yeah, I don't think the play call was egregious because right. if you have four His, guys to rally to a shallow yeah. cross... His guy runs a quick
1: slant. They really had two. And they, he just watched him. And then it's like, oh, oops. Tears off after him, at which point he's just running across the field into an entire giant area space. It was poor. When you're making plays like that, and you know the only guy that has the capability of making that kind of turnover collection in a game to change things isn't there i don't see how you stop them do you think darnold bounces back in this one he will right to a degree yeah Just i mean I think he'll play he'll play better because he's playing the dolphins
0: man dolphins the worst offensive line in the league jets don't get a ton of pressure but you know they should be able to make some plays yes there ryan fitzpatrick you never really know what you're going to get true so, yeah, one of these days...
1: They say he gives them the best chance of winning games. I, mean, I would say that's debatable. I, I don't
0: I don't think it's that crazy to think that he's right now better than Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that either of them give you a particularly good chance of winning a game
1: because there's nothing else around
0: them. Yeah. Again, there's nuance to all this stuff. I think, more importantly, you want to know what Josh Rosen's capable of. And you need more... Sample size. You need more data. Yeah, more data. Yeah, to figure. out. I mean, that out. they clearly don't believe he's any kind of long term solution, so they're no. just not. Giving so him the trade him. Everybody just gets traded to uh, Chicago. Can't anymore. Everybody but Bruce taking the Jets. Bruce is taking the Dolphins. So he is in this one. All right, Tennessee Titans at the Carolina Panthers. Not much of a rivalry or history here for me to call upon. No,
1: you don't, don't have much. I we, do not. A couple of, I mean, not new-ish franchises if you go back to the Oilers days, but Panthers are, so that makes it a problem.
0: Panthers, since 1995. Yeah, They've been around since the Jags. Yes, my Jags. Yeah. Your Jags. Uh, Titans and Panthers, what are you watching for here? Um, I'm intrigued by your Kyle Allen
1: bounce back thing because he was bad yeah. last week, so does he stay bad? Or does he bounce back? Um, it was interesting because... Well, one, because the narrative completely, like, that just torpedoed everybody's narrative. It's like, oh, it, you know, the Panthers might be moving on from Cam Newton, and then, ooh,
0: yeah, Cam's coming right back into that. Um, Why was, can't people... I mean, I know it's not... It's not in anybody's nature. It's not good for entertainers, and that's what, you know, people who are on TV... I, I, don't, I just call myself an entertainer. Mm-hmm. People that are on TV or YouTube, we have to do entertaining things, right? Okay. So you have to have talking points and everything. Yeah. So as soon as you see three... Good statistical games. You're like, man, Cam Newton's expendable. Mm-hmm. It's Kyle Allen show now. Yeah. And then you have one bad game. It's like, oh, things, everything completely changed in one week. Or yep. were you just out of your mind <laughs> the first few weeks <laughs> with your ridiculous take that oh, yeah, Cam Newton expended. Now, look, I, the idea that this could be on the horizon. Yeah. And it's like, well, if Kyle Allen does this, this and this, it's also most people are just like black or white. Yeah. And there's also like
1: there's there's a there's a the sample size issue, right? like the cousins thing at some point we expect him to come back. The other thing is there's a very distinct difference between, you know, box score stats and actual performance. Like somebody, some, we got tagged in it earlier. Some that New York SNY or whatever it's called threw up like the box score numbers of Daniel Jones versus Baker Mayfield. Right. And honestly, we're so embedded in this half the time. I don't even know what people's box score numbers are. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Um, And it's like, wow, if you look at that, like, Mayfield's playing way worse than Daniel Jones. But if you look at how they're actually playing, he isn't. Like, no. he's def- Mayfield is playing badly, and he's not playing close to as badly as Daniel Jones right now. Like, Jones is throwing the ball to defenders twice a game on average, if not three times. Like, he's playing. So if you just pull up the box score numbers, it's completely different. Kyle Allen is the same thing, right? He started off really well, and then the box score numbers continued to look really good, and his play didn't. Like, his play came down quite quickly to a level that wouldn't have you suggesting he was going to take over the starting job anytime soon um so us who's looking at that the throw by throw stuff would sort of was already like all right that was
0: maybe people got carried away for a week but that's not you know what's going to happen because people still see those five numbers and make a determination yeah Completion percentage, which is I mean, yards, fair enough. Touchdown, interception, and rating. The, I think the frustrating thing is though we all watched Sunday Night Football together, right? And you're like, LOL, Aaron Rodgers tap pass, that's a touchdown, haha, <laughs> touch 14 yard touchdown, he just tapped it, yeah. right? And then he had a screen for a touchdown, and then he had, if you want to call it a spectacular throw, fine. But he had another lucky touchdown. Slush. He ends the game with yeah. three, right? And then you look at the season totals, and it's whatever, fifteen to two, whatever it is, right? And you just forget that two of them are tap passes and this is that and this right. is what and whatever i'm not picking on aaron Rodgers. i'm just saying every yeah every game you
1: see that number and you're immediately conditioned to think of a certain performance and you just yeah you just don't think how it was actually
0: baker, May- baker mayfield should probably have eight or nine interceptions this year and he's got 13 or whatever it is yeah right he and by should have that means if all of his turnover worthy plays became picks when the reality is it's like 60 to 80 percent of those most of the time players have significantly more turnover-worthy
1: plays than turnovers because defensive backs don't catch every interception that's thrown to them, et cetera, et cetera. Mayfield is the other way. He's got significantly more picks than he has turnover-worthy plays. So there's been bad luck in in some of those plays. Um, But, yeah, so the Kyle Allen thing was people were getting out of control with that, and I don't think he ever really – we made the point very early on that what Kyle Allen did was show you just how bad – Cam Newton was playing when he was hurt and this idea of like muscling through it and just, you know, being there for your team because you believe you're the best option. It turns out when you're that knackered, you weren't. And Kyle Allen was actually a better option because he could throw the ball accurately to players. All that said, I mean, Kyle, he's had some impressive games. Sure. But ultimately, you expect Cam Newton to come back healthy. And when that is the case, it's a different conversation.
0: Uh, So let me let me put a bow on where I think the Kyle Allen conversation is. Okay. I'm impressed that the Panthers have found an undrafted free agent who had uh, a subpar college career, given the extremely high expectations coming in. And I think they found a a reasonable future backup, a guy that's a backup that you just want to keep around and see if he can continue to improve. And after that first game in Arizona, where he's zipping it all over the yard, big time throws left and right, and one pretty good game against Tampa Bay. Other than that, it's it's looked like like an undrafted rookie. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that's intriguing to keep around, but I don't know that we're necessarily building the franchise around Kyle Allen right now, so that's where we are. Yes. Last week helped people come back down to that take. Now, as far as the Tennessee Titans, Tannehill part three, uh, going up against the Panthers pass rush, um, Tannehill has thrown the ball better. He's got the highest grade in the intermediate level, that 10 to 19 yard range. I think we've discussed I mean that's where Tannehill wins up to 20 yards he's very accurate he throws the the deep out the deep comeback the dig he just throws a lot of the NFL routes you need to throw in unspectacular fashion often but he's somewhat productive there he just needs to cut down on the negative plays he's still he's right behind Mariota in sack percentage on pressured plays that that stat that we always use that says you know when you're pressured how high is your sack rate Tannehill's number three right behind Mariota story of both of their careers cut down on that and it's, uh, you know,
1: an improvement. Yeah. Um, I think he is also making a lot of the other components on the offense look better. So not to the degree that, you know, a pa- Patrick Mahomes or whatever does. But, again, it's a sort of reflection on how bad things were under Mariota that when you replace him with a guy who's just not doing the bad things as much, everything looks better, right? He's feeding Corey Davis. Steve's taking advantage um, but the offensive line as well—they're not looking as bad because Mariota's not taking these terrible sacks. Um, so Tannehill is making everybody else around him look better, which makes ultimately the Titans a better team.
0: I did a little uh, Carolina radio today. I, you know, they asked me about the Titans, mm-hmm. and I said, "Please just, you know, don't ask me about the Titans." And who knows? We don't Out, know. They're still just this seven and nine to nine and seven team from a talent standpoint, and the difference of whether it's seven or nine wins is going to be a couple of plays here and there. Yeah. And I still think that's where they are.
1: I like though that this week we've basically split the difference. I've gone with Carolina. You've gone with Tennessee, and neither of us knows what the hell's going to happen. No, we don't. The Titans are like that.
0: This is like this is like the Bears Chargers game last week. No, that was the the all underwhelming bowl. This is all the all uh, all mediocre bowl. Yeah, probably. This is the creep back toward average bowl. Yes, except yes. they're already there. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at average. So who did I take Tennessee? Yep, I
1: immediately regret that one as well. Really. I mean, I kind of regret Carolina just because Tennessee could do anything, so we could
0: swap. Yeah, right. switch them. Chicago Bears. Yeah. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's it's interesting. Remember that question a couple of weeks ago? Who are the biggest innovators innovators in the NFL? Maybe Daniel Jeremiah posed it. Uh, biggest innovators in football.
1: No, but okay.
0: Okay. He posed it. A lot of people gave their answers, and a lot of it was like this play caller and this guy, and well, Belichick's got to be there. And I went with Doug Peterson. Okay. And... I don't know. I don't know that anybody is that clear cut and dry above everyone else as far as making good decisions. We we've bragged about Peterson and a lot of his good decisions early in the year, and then you see other things like man, they still have a defense that loves to stack the box and stop the run, and they give up a pa- um, too many passing lanes. And then he was running the ball probably a little bit more than you would like coming you know in a comeback opportunity a couple of weeks ago. So. Um I forget who wrote it using NGS in our data, but it basically showed like the Yeah where where the Eagles cover, right? And it essentially looked like a cover three mm-hmm. set. And a cover three set has you can draw here. Oh god. Like four defensive linemen, four underneath coverage defenders, and then you got your deep zones.
1: Yeah. How's that look? Your that deep looks like a weird ass crown or something. Yeah. You understand again that most people can't see this.
0: Yeah, but I'm trying to get people to go check it out. Okay. Right? But this is this is the issue. When you stack the box here, right, this is the this is where offensive coordinators are trying to get to this so they can make more so they can throw the ball. I see. Right? Yeah. And the Eagles continue to try to stack the box with this three linebackers and an extra safety right there. That's the that's the that's the point. What are you doing? Right there. Yeah looks like a burger well, now. So what you you do you say? Now we've got ourselves a little crown. Oh, so yeah, there we don't... go. This is the Eagles defense in yeah, form. It's a crown. So the point is. Yeah, what is your point? Doug Peterson, there are some things that they do that is very forward thinking, and I still think defensively they're, they're doing the opposite, whereas a team like Green Bay is taking these guys and pushing them back a little bit and saying, here, run the ball. Please run the ball for six instead of passing for fifteen. Well, think, um, well, it's just something to keep an eye on. This might need. This might be a game where Trubisky's got some opportunities. What makes football so fascinating is there are
1: so many different areas that you need to be good at all at once, um, or decide to d- decide where you're going to focus your attention because yeah. you can't be good at everything, right? So you got to figure out where you can where you where it makes most sense to dedicate resources. And by resources, I don't necessarily mean you know bodies or. I mean, like even just your time, like what are you actually going to focus on? Practice there's time, only, Yeah, there's yeah. only so much things you can
0: do. Personnel so decisions. You, you've money. now got
1: a few NFL coaches who I think are dedicating some of this time and resources and energy to, all right, feed me the mathematical advantage decision-making stuff, right? Tell me in a game when I should be going for it, on, yes or no, on fourth downs, yes or no, going for two, all that kind of stuff, right? And there's a few teams that are out there definitely doing that. And because of that, they're stealing an advantage over the other teams that aren't, because it's just a mathematical edge that you have that these other teams don't. And consequently, it doesn't always work out, but over the long haul, you're going to be in more favorable situations. But that doesn't mean they're doing the same thing for every other facet of the game, right? And there are areas where they might not be leaning on the data and the numbers and aren't optimizing what it is they're doing to take advantage of stuff that should give them an edge. So... As much as a Peterson might have a guy in his ear telling him when to go for it on fourth down, when to go for two, he might not be looking at the numbers and saying, Yeah, you know, we could focus our defense in a slightly different manner and mitigate some of the big plays they're giving up and, and actually be better overall. Because he's just like, Well, that's a coaching thing. That's football. That's X's and O's. Right. I, I know how to do that. I don't need to listen to the, the dude with the spreadsheet. Um,
0: they and need, I think the they same. The like, PFFIQ. Yes, as we want to hit, we're going to hit all levels there.
1: And I think you know, again, building to building, it's different where teams are prepared to listen to other people, or where you know where they're prepared to try and learn more information and get better. And all you know, some teams are out there and they don't want to hear any of it. Um, but I think so. That's Peterson saying, right? I think he is really good at some of this stuff. It's just that it doesn't
0: it doesn't permeate everything. Yeah, Eagles have a sixty point one coverage grade. That's twelfth worst in the NFL right now. So, and the difference between, I mean, the difference between the Eagles in 2016, 17, 18 and 19 is pretty much in 17. They covered better. Yeah. They could always rush the passer pretty well with a bunch of guys, you know, but as far as defensively, they covered better that one year. What I'm curious
1: in this game is, so Mitchell, you know, the Trubisky thing is starting to get a bit out of control. Um, You know, all the way along, we said that actually he's not as good as people are claiming. Um, and now he's, everyone else has jumped on board, right? It's like that one game a couple of weeks ago. Everyone's like, right, I'm done with this. Yeah. Risky sucks. Get rid of him. He's terrible. Yada, yada, yada. Right. And like with all this stuff, he, you know, everyone goes off the deep end, but right now he is the worst graded quarterback in the NFL in terms of PFF grading, um, dead last almost regardless of where you set the filter. <laughs> like, you know, normally you make him dead last by eliminating the guys without that many snaps. No, he's dead last regardless of where you put it. There's people, Brett Hundley has two snaps and a higher grade, um, that kind of thing. So as much as we were sort of first on the Trubisky's not that good bandwagon, he's way worse than he was, like way worse and way worse than we said he was. So, I mean, can he bounce back to even just, you know, rank average or below average? Like below average would be a giant leap forward for Trubisky right now. Yeah, um, he's not as bad or wasn't as bad as he's showing right now. And the biggest problem with that is it's not just that he's playing like crap. It's that him playing like crap is causing Matt Nagy to try and help him with the offense, which makes everything worse. It's making everybody else look worse because he's not playing well and he's causing issues. The offensive line is grading worse than it's ever graded before because he's the quarterback. Like everything is bad right now. And he's, the you know, your tree. He's the root, Steve. He's the root cause of all of this, and if he could just get back to being mildly crappy, everything else looks better. So, is that possible, or is he just like hip deep in quicksand and drowning?
0: See, I think a game like this, this is going to be the sneaky game where Trubisky completes a high percentage of passes for like two sixty, and just describing it, two sixty, a couple touchdowns, and you're like, oh, that's that was a pretty good game. He's still capable of putting together some pretty good games. He used his legs a lot more last year than this year. I'm just looking through all the teams that he's played against. He's played the Packers defense in week one. He played Denver, which has one of the top coverage units. On the road. On the road in Denver. We know that's significant. Um, played the Redskins. They do not have a good coverage unit. Um, did not get to play the Vikings or Raiders. Right? right. Vikings or Raiders? Uh, a couple a of Saints the time. Vikings. Right. It was pretty much nothing. Yeah. But but didn't get to play those teams. And then he played the Saints and the Chargers. Two mm-hmm. teams, again, who are who are pretty decent on the back end. So I do think... As much as we say, you know, offense dictates how well the defense plays. This feels like one of those games where he could, you know, do a little bit better and at least at least ease some of the Chicago fans' concerns. I'm not saying you're not trying to replace him. Oh, definitely. But but this has been look. We called him. um, I'm not stealing this. I'm stealing this from George. Right? They called him Bortles North (laughs) last year. (laughs) Right? And think about this. This is why I I appreciate when people go out on a limb. When the when the Bears are sitting there with. 12 or 13 wins or whatever they had last year and you have people saying look the performance is telling us this guy looks like Blake Bortles mm-hmm. don't buy into it when the easy narrative is like yeah it's year two he's gonna get better everybody gets better they're winning games he's a winner he runs he does this he does that and they're like no it's Bortles North don't yeah. believe it and now he looks like Bortles North the thing I used to always defend like Bortles like he could trick you into believing in him four yeah, or five times good a good season
1: yeah. His, his, he went on that sort of development arc where it looked like he was heading really right. in the right 2015, direction.
0: 2015, he had a decent year. Yeah. There was some garbage timing in there, but it's like, dude's making throws, right? Allen Robinson's bailing him out, yes. ironically. Uh-huh. Um, and then Bortles, even last year, there was, he destroyed the Patriots in week two of 2018. Like, last season, he had a game where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in that particular week against the New England Patriots Super Bowl yeah. winning defense. All right, So this is the nature of the NFL, Trubisky is capable of having three or four games that'll trick you. This is what's in amazing a given year. This me, week
1: might be one of them. This is what's amazing to me about Trubisky's decline is that so the last two seasons his grade has been sixty six and sixty four, um, and he hasn't had a single grade this season above sixty. Like all of his games have been terrible, and they've been way more terrible than the previous, uh, the previous evidence of Trubisky, which was that he wasn't that good. Like, we were saying that this guy was not particularly good despite the numbers previous years, and he's fallen off a cliff compared with that level. I Even in terms of expecting a Trubisky regression, how bad he's started to get has been amazing to see. What, like, so, I mean, are we due him to just play a bit better for a while because – He's playing at an absurdly See, terrible level. Now you're catching on. just Or is f- he just completely gone in the tank? And we need to... Like, at this point, he's playing so badly that you do genuinely need to think about benching him for Chase Daniel. And Chase Daniel is not good. But Trubisky's playing so badly. Like give you the best chance right, right now. Again, this best chance to win thing. Like, Chase Daniel is not a good quarterback at all. But if Trubisky is playing at this level, Chase Daniel might be a better option.
0: Yeah, I mean, look... I. You're catching on to this whole, like, just used regression analysis, right? Oh, he's playing worse than we expected, therefore he'll get better. Well, it's just he's playing so – I, I, it, it's, it's very strange to me that he's gone so
1: far below where he was the previous two years. Even though we expected him to be worse, this much worse is kind of nuts. Now, yep. part of it is exa- exaggerated by the fact that the offense has been changed to help him, and, if, and it's having the opposite effect to the one they wanted to have. But it's – I mean – it's kind of
0: it, I would go to Chase Daniel, not necessarily because Chase Daniel's better over time. It's just that stylistically, I mean trubisky's just having trouble completing passes, okay, and you have an offense that still has some pretty decent playmakers in theory has a good play caller, and if you have a guy that's just going to give those guys a chance to catch the ball and make you know create a few yards after the catch, then Chase Daniel is a better option mm-hmm. over time. trubisky's probably a better a better quarterback and a better option, but for this team right now and in their desperation mode, it might be chase Daniel. All that said, I wouldn't be surprised if Trubisky puts together a decent game this week. I'm still going with the Eagles. They're a better team. They bounced back last week nicely against the bills. Uh, Carson Wentz had that. Now he threw the ball pretty well, picked up yards with his legs. Um, I I still expect a lot out of the Eagles. Okay.
1: I also went with the Eagles. I expect less, but I think they're, you know, they're, they played well i don't want to completely reset my thoughts on the eagles they're still good i don't they're they're rapidly approaching titan's territory in terms of not having any earthly idea what the hell they are yeah they'll they'll be buoyed, buoyed buoyed a lot by the return of I hate that word same well i hate it said like that buoyed what's the right way to say it i mean i would say it buoyed 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 it's not a anyway i i ex, i think they'll be a lot better with the return of deshaun jackson if and when that happens like he's been i mean back in practice you know eventually oh yeah i mean that's, the feel whenever he's back there that should make a big impact to this offense because they don't have that skill set anywhere else particularly as long as agalor prepared not to catch balls that are thrown right to him on deep throws yeah not great that, that was one of those ones where you know you look at it and you're like i, I always hate most of the throws where people looking like that looks terrible that guy just you know why did he do that and you're like uh, you know you, so you have to work from the default position that, that professional athletes are not inclined to do ridiculously stupid things for no reason, right? There's usually a something, that ma- like a different angle or whatever, that makes it look better. And you're like, okay, now I get it, right? That was one of those ones where you then saw it from like three different angles. You're like, I cannot find a way <laughs> that makes it look like he shouldn't have at least reached out for that ball. Yeah, not good. And I was looking for one because it's like, why would he just not catch the ball? Yeah. Like, that looks ridiculous. And I'm like, I'm sure there's another angle that proves it was actually three and a half yards
0: away from him. This is. And was never an option. This is why Carson Wentz is grading better than his numbers this year. Yeah. He's the guy on the other end of the spectrum. Because of Nelson Aguilar. Detroit yeah. Lions at the Oakland Raiders. By the way, we've been going for a while. I know, yeah. We might need to So button
1: it up. This is bit. the one where I went back and forth on this. And I was like, I asked multiple people to tell me why the Raiders don't have a shot in this game because I wanted to pick them. And Austin, a Raiders fan, told me that they don't have any prayer, but he gave no no logic behind but it. Then you found just, out
0: that they're favored.
1: Yeah. Then I found out they're favored. I'm like, look, all right, I've, I've determined this is the game they can win. It's it's at home. Um, their offense isn't terrible, despite having no actual receivers. Um, and I, I Uh, Maybe I'm just colored by the fact that I'm never prepared to buy in fully to the the Lions, ever. But I think the Raiders can win this game. You don't. Tell me why they can't. What
0: do you mean I don't? Well, you're picking the Lions. Well, yeah, because it's a binary decision. Who do I think is going to win? Right.
1: You pick the Lions, therefore you don't believe the Raiders have a prayer. That's how it works.
0: Oh, I hate the Raiders. (laughs) No, they're sneaky good, man. They're sneaky good offensively. Derek Carr is having a sneaky good year, and everybody's just sneaking up on people. <laughs> Darren Waller and the defense is feisty. I mean, that's why the Raiders have a chance. Um, I I, I want to know what they should do with Derek Carr because the guy on the other side, Matthew Stafford. This is a fascinating matchup here. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford's average depth of target has gone up four yards per attempt this year, from that's like seven to eleven. Yes, per
1: Attempt. And 11 is like off the charts. Good.
0: Yes. Or not good. High. Seven, off the charts. Seven is where Derek Carr is right now. Bottom of the league. Yeah. Shortest. 11 is like Jameis. You look conservative.
1: 11 yeah, eleven is ahead of yeah, yeah people yeah. like
0: Jameis. This is like Carson Palmer peak Yolo. Yes. Yolo ball part of his career. So Stafford, who always has had the big arm and the big ability and special downfield throwing, um, you know. Arm angles and velocity and touch and all that stuff. The Lions are unleashing him. They're taking some of the bad because you're going to miss more throws when that happens. But now he's one of the top five and big time throws and all this stuff in the NFL. You know, this week, this year. Whereas Derek Carr doesn't necessarily have Stafford's overall skill set, but he's certainly more than capable. I mean, when Carr, just from like a percentage standpoint, as far as like throwing catchable passes beyond the sticks and ten plus yards down the field, like he's he's really good. Hmm. Now, a lot of those are like, all right, if you just don't take a lot of chances, like Alex Smith, you might hit a higher percentage because you pick your spots. Right. Right. But Carr's capable. Do you put him on the Stafford? I mean, they were the same guy last year. Short passes. They tied for like the shortest average depth of completion. All this stuff. You think he can even do that?
1: Not, not can from a does he have the skill set, too, but does he have the mental makeup? If you went out there and told him, all right, you're going YOLO style from now on would he be able to do that or would it be Alex Smith style? Or even if you told him to do that, the best you could do is move well, him, like three paces upwards.
0: Well, I think there's more nuance to that too, because it, I, I don't know that there's ever like a conversation with the offensive coordinator in the QB where it's like, right, Hey right. man, you know what guys, let's just ball. Out. Look, I know I told you protect the football, but like, forget that for a minute. Yeah. It's it's how many more, how many deeper route combinations do you call? Do you change the progressions? Do you change things? You know, how, how did the chiefs trick Alex Smith? Into throwing the ball downfield and leading... They drafted the his replacement. That's one way. They drafted his replacement and also said, when you see Tyreek Hill, the best deep threat in the NFL, one-on-one, you chuck it deep. That's I'd it. be
1: interested to know if they had to have that conversation or if he just went, you know what, to hell with it. Now, when I see Tyreek Hill, like if it was self-done or if they specifically went, look, Alex, this guy is going to beat
0: man for pretty much every time. Just I would the ball be in the air. very interested to know how that happened. Same. Because that was... That was multiple years of Alex Smith breaking a trend. Every year, like right? one year, he
1: went complete broke. What he does and went yeah. different. I, yeah, I'd be fascinated by that. Um, the Raiders' offensive line has been much better this year. Yeah, now it's being protected a little bit by that quick pass, you know, shorter stuff. Yeah, but Colton Miller is is interesting because he was a little shy of a disaster last year, but he was thrown out there on like a busted ankle, and it was like, dude, that's pretty unfair to the guy. It's a you know, rookie, clearly not healthy
0: protecting at left tackle that's just mean and i respect you for that because you usually you're usually the guy that like man you graded at 35 you're terrible you're usually the guy that you know jumps on the guy oh, oh, okay jumps on the guy for having a bad grade but you you did a nice job there well, well i mean you
1: know he was unhealthy He felt bad it was, for him. it was harsh um but this year he's taken a huge step forward particularly in pass blocking which obviously is the most important thing right yeah. we saw all last year there there's the number of plays on tape where it's like, oh, God, that would look ridiculous. Like Colt Miller just gets whooped immediately off the snap and bad things are happening. It's still happening, only he's limiting it to the run game at the moment, which, to be honest, is kind of okay. Because one, Josh Jacobs is like more elusive than almost any other back in the league in terms of broken tackles, yards after contact, et cetera, et cetera. So he's making a lot of it not matter. And then the other thing is, if you're going to be good at one thing, be good at the pass blocking part. Yeah, for sure. Because that's what we need. So Colton Miller taking a step forward, the rest of the offensive line looking good. That's like part of the reason this offense is functioning, despite not having a
0: bevy of receivers to throw to. Do you know who has now taken the lead on the Raiders defense for the most pressures?
1: Uh, is it, it's not, it's certainly not Cleveland Farrell because no. he's in the lead in leadership, not in uh, not in Come pressure. On, dude. We said we're not going to do that anymore. Did we? I didn't get that. Moment. I did. I made a mental note not oh, to make fun I, of that I anymore. Can't, I can't get your mental notes unless you broadcast them in some way, shape, or form. No, you can't that's, just,
0: how we, that's how we communicate. You can't here. just
1: take it internally and expect me to read your brain. No. Um, it's got to
0: be Crosby, right? It's Max Crosby. There you go. Fourth rounder? Third rounder. Fourth round. Eastern Michigan. Multiple years of good grading at Eastern Michigan, but yes, he is now after an eight-pressure outing. has 17 on the year. The uh, directional Michigans he, appear to have a disproportionate a Man of uh, NFL talent, yeah. For what they are, they do some. They they got a Hall of Famer, mm. Corey Davis. They've got a Hall of Famer, in Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. and they got Max Crosby. Uh, so he, I think it's going to be a shootout. I mean, I think the Raiders won't put enough pressure on Stafford. He'll have some opportunities. I want to see Darren Waller keeping it going. The uh, Lions have some nice athletic safeties. Play a lot of man coverage. That should be a good matchup. But I'm expecting a shootout, and I want to see Derek Carr. Going head-to-head. Did you see the um, the fake mesh vertical that the um, Raiders ran the other day? I don't think so. Um, you know the mesh play? Uh-huh. So you got, oh God, we'll draw. Again. So you got the uh, the two shallows. This is definitely going to speed the podcast up. Two oh, yeah. shallows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Everybody runs this. Again, nobody can see this. but check. Yeah. You got the two shallows. Yep. And then one of them used, instead of using this guy as a pick to finish the shallow, he used the pick and just kind of like yoinked yeah. up the field. And it was great. It was That's a smart. great play call. I mean, it's not the first time anybody's ever used it. I remember many teams have used it through the years, but it's one of those plays that just like people were running bubble screens over and over and over again. It's like, can you just fake the bubble and run one up the seam one time? Yeah, please. Like it should be open all the time. This felt like you run 10 meshes just to get like run this half the time. (laughs) Big play opportunities here. I thought it worked great. So the Raiders are uh, doing a nice job offensively. especially in recent weeks. Yeah. So I went Oakland. You went Detroit. I went Detroit. That's quite an even split. I think it's going to be a good game. It's an even split in terms of PFF. It's going to be a fun one to watch. What do we got? Tampa Bay at Seattle. Yeah, that's right. Tampa Bay at Seattle. Another shootout in this one too. I mean.
1: Is Jameis going to stop – so you have – this is the running thing, right? You expect Jameis at some point to eliminate all the bad and suddenly MVP Jameis, right? Not eliminate all the bad, but just have so much of the good. Most of it, right? Eliminate a large majority of the bad so that he becomes a Carson Palmer, Cam Newton-style season, putting it all together and having an MVP year. Yeah. What he appears to have done is done the opposite and almost (laughs) eliminated all of the good. And now all that's there is bad Jameis. Yeah. That that it. maybe it we, went I, the other way.
0: I said maybe we should have used the analysis that says the negatives are actually more consistent. The thing is, the turnover worthy plays you can cut down on. The straight up misses, you know, So the turnover worthy plays fluctuate. Yeah. So the fact that Jameis was always among the league leaders, you're like, oh, okay. One year, if he's just fifteenth or twelfth, yeah, that was the at avoiding them. You'd be fine. Uh huh. You know, as far as like missing throws, that'll still kind of be there. Instead, the turnover-worthy throws have like, fluctuated the other way. Yeah,
1: right now he has, more than, he has four more than anybody else in the NFL. And the
0: big-time throws have fluctuated down. He has
1: almost twice the number of turnover-worthy plays to big-time throws. So he's due for a carry-the-team type of game against Seattle. To put right that here. into perspective, right, the guy he's playing in this game has 22 big-time throws, which leads the NFL, and three turnover-worthy plays.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I don't
1: know what the, the math is, but that ratio of 22 to 3 is significantly better than 11 to 21. The other way. So I just think it's ironic that you expected one day to eliminate the high volatility of Jameis and it all to go to MVP level. And actually what's happened is all the good has been eliminated and it swung the other way. And right now Jameis is just bad. Yeah, no argument. We did a we did a Halloween video on our YouTube channel, right? Yeah, check in it the, out down in the horrible, scary death basement next door. It's really bad. And uh it was you know, one of the scariest things in the NFL right now, and I was like, "Anytime Jameis Winston drops back to pass, it's terrifying for the Bucks." Which is ironic since that's like their game plan at the moment. Um, yeah, I just that's the most interesting thing to be right now is that James is just all bad almost.
0: Uh, <sighs> yeah, not great. What can are you I, looking for? Can I throw a wet blanket on Russell Wilson for no, the rest of the year? Don't do that. He's playing so well. Everything's yeah, got to get worse. So leave it. All right. Why can't he just be good? He's got an 87 grade under pressure. Go That's ahead. insane. What's your point? That would be like third in the NFL among all quarterbacks. That won't be. You can't sustain that. God, You are such a killer. People say I'm the killjoy. No, it's Look me. I, you. I, I, No, because you you just stick to old takes sometimes and what? you kill people. When am I sticking to old takes kill people? No, you're just like, oh, I love this guy. and you, Or I don't like this guy. Like Bud Dupree. I don't want to give Bud... You don't want to give Bud Dupree any credit. I gave Bud Dupree credit the other day. You don't want to give him any credit. I just used numbers to, to, you know, be the killjoy. Bud Dupree had a good game the other day, and I gave him credit for it. Nice job, man. Thanks. I mean, I'm still not expecting him to be good. Russell Wilson has an 87 PFF grade and 112.5 passer rating under pressure. Yeah. He can't keep that up.
1: Bud Dupree's kind of grading well at the moment. Well, look at you turning over a new leaf. <laughs>
0: Turning over a new leaf. Ah. <laughs> all right. What the do the Seahawks do? run the ball just enough to keep Tampa Bay in it, and it's going to be like twenty-eight to twenty-six. Dude, James is going to toss like four interceptions against this defense in the Pacific Northwest. Twenty-eight, twenty-six.
1: Okay, Seattle. Next in Seattle. Oh, you know this is this is great.
0: This is Cleveland and irate Baker Mayfield. You know what's next before that, though? Oh, what's next? Manscaped. Yes. Support for the PFF NFL pod comes from Manscaped. They're number one in men's below-the-belts grooming. Hmm. You knew that.
1: I did. I, I know that because I've heard the ad a lot of times.
0: Yes. So they, uh, they sent us a bunch of products. They did. They and sent us all, a box of them. They're all Whole pretty box. legit. We got to divvy them up amongst the group. They also send us some good talking points. Yeah. What Most of which they're like, yeah, you know, you want to blend it into the whole thing. And I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes when you read it word for word, it's awesome. Have they changed or are they still the Halloween
1: special? Ones? This is the Halloween special. What do we got? Do we so, want to divvy them up? You take you take one, I'll take one.
0: Oh, yeah. This is, uh, that's your take. This one, the that's yellow your part. one?
1: All right. Inside the perfect package, you'll find their electric trimmer called the Lawn Mower 2.0. It's legit. This waterproof and skin-safe technology will protect you from nicking your pumpkins. <laughs>
0: Today is Halloween. Uh, You can also
1: create less mess by trimming in the shower. It's a helpful tip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Manscaped. So you can go to manscaped.com.
1: I've never heard before uh, the euphemism of swapping, you know, nuts for pumpkins.
0: Well, yeah, because in Halloween, they're they're No, I get it. I mean, I'm not saying it's illogical or anything. I've just never heard it before. Listen, I respect our friends over at Manscaped because you can go to manscaped.com and you get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code PFF. And they have all sorts. It's not just the lawnmower 2.0. They've also got the anti-chafing performance boxer briefs. They keep your package cool and smelling fresh all day. <laughs> well, when combined with the ball deodorant. Yeah, for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Ball Toner Spray. You would, I mean, not
1: a lot of people have thought necessarily that their balls need to be toned. But apparently there's, there's a product for that.
0: Yeah, it certainly, there certainly is. It's time to get clean and mean with the perfect package 2.0. It's over at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Use the promo code PFF. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, promo code PFF. I can't emphasize enough how much people need to use that and buy
1: this thing because it might be my favorite thing in the show, the Manscaped read. Yeah. So we need to keep the deal going. So, you going.
0: guys can pause right now. Go so, to manscapes.com. Make right. sure
1: you just. People need to
0: go buy Manscaped stuff using the promo code PFF. Listen, when you support the sponsors, you support us. This is what I'm saying. And you support the comedy. All of us. Together. And you because enable us
1: to keep reading out those we're one show. Right. Because, to be it, honest, when they stop, if and when they stop the sponsorship, we don't get the talking points anymore. We'll never and get I want to see one. them. Yeah. We'll never get a better one. So, go do it. Manscaped.com. PFF promo code. Well done, Sam. Would you say Browns at Broncos? Yeah, we have an irate Baker Mayfield traveling to Denver to take on a quarterback, whoever it is, who's never taken any snaps. The Denver Broncos right now do not have a quarterback on the roster. Put your hand up. Who has taken a snap. No. Put your hand up. Who has taken a snap in the NFL. Why? This is just this Brandon Allen. (laughs) This
0: is the size of the hand of the NFL quarterback. Now put yours behind it. This is the size of the hand of the NFL quarterback that's going to be playing. Yeah. On Sunday. Yeah. Brandon's the guy who had like a sub-nine-inch hand. Right, and had to like massage it or something yeah. to get like a nine-and-a-quarter inch. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, all that said, he did
1: some nice things at Arkansas. I'm just saying, how amazing is it that Denver do not have a quarterback that has taken an NFL snap? It's tough to With do. Joe Flacco going to IR, nobody on that roster
0: has taken an NFL snap.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. By and the way, then,
0: your, uh, your Joe Flacco rants, people... People enjoyed the other I mean, day. That was good. That was well done. I thought it was. Um, Don't get and to then, talk about Joe much anymore. And then Baker Mayfield is pissed off because Tony Grossi was asking him questions. Uh, yeah. At some point, Baker's got to turn his uh, aggression into playing better. He certainly does. Um, yeah. That
1: was an interesting exchange because I, a huge part of that had to be the fact that it was Tony Grossi and those two kind of hate each other um, on the other and it's this is what baker has always been right he's kind of been a prickly pain in the ass and when that's going your way it's great he's you know it's like he's our asshole but or he's an asshole but he's our asshole so we love it planting the flag beating a guy in the head for running through his end zone grabbing his nuts presumably after using manscaped uh, Manscaped, the lawnmower 2.0 um but that's you know that's what he's always been but suddenly when you're losing it looks like you're a bad loser and you know you're now you're just a uh, somebody people don't like yeah um so it really is interesting how much winning is going to determine that because I suspect a lot of quarterbacks kind of have that in them to a degree. It's just it doesn't really manifest itself because they're not losing that much and therefore don't get into it with reporters asking them pain in the ass questions. Um, this it's an interesting game because Denver is not terrible, um, even though apparently they don't have any quarterback right now. The defense is interesting. They have that mile-high. Top high. four coverage grade. Yeah, they have that mile-high advantage. But six-win team. It does feel like a game that Cleveland could potentially get back on track with, particularly Mayfield, right? Because yeah. Because they're not going to do anything crazy on defense. You're not going to get just confused to hell. You're going to know what's what you're going up against, and then it's just a case of can you actually get this offense executing?
0: If we could just take emotion out of this, and I don't, I don't even want to – I don't want to defend Baker because it comes across like we're defending him because he's not playing well. We he's like playing to, badly. He's playing well below our expectations. Yeah. That's and also true is the 67.8 passer rating is really.
1: It's harsh. We talked before. Really about how harsh. He, he has more interceptions than turnover where he plays. Here's right away that's distorting how bad you think he's playing
0: here's the other number for me he's uh, you know i did the qb article this week and i just looked at guys positive negative grades and what they were last year and this year Mm -hmm. biggest differences he's got like a two or three percent drop in positively graded throws which is pretty significant yeah um and usually we talk about the negatives being consistent and the positives fluctuate why do the positives fluctuate supporting cast play calling general you know qb play fluctuation so I think you can attribute some of this to everything else yeah the play calling and all that stuff right so some of it's there some of its interception luck and i think if he plays at exactly the same level for the second half of the season the numbers look drastically different
1: i think also their schedule gets a lot easier down the stretch as well so that alone a lot like last year yeah will make him look better there it's i think it's there are some things that he's doing worse this year than he did a year ago. Oh, absolutely. So There's no doubt. he's less accurate this year. One yep. of the things we loved about Baker coming out was his accuracy. Last year, I think he was fourth in accuracy plus those perfect ball location plays. Yep. This year he's in the low 20s somewhere. Right. So he's gone from basically one end of the scale to the other end. That's huge. Um, the other thing he's doing is – so Baker, we talked about his tendency – it was nitpicking in college, but now it's a bigger problem. This idea of either getting happy feet in the pocket, trying to bounce out, bailing from clean pockets, trying to play sort of hero ball, running away and doing your own thing. What's become kind of interesting is he almost always bounces to his right when he does this, right? If you look at plays where he's escaped a, uh, a pocket, tried to scramble and make a throw, he's done that like 55 times this year. 33 of them have been to the right-hand side. Yeah. Right? Almost all of them are to the right. And I think teams have figured that out because the throws that you make, you know, you roll to the right, your receiver breaks off a route, he heads to the sideline, you put it on him, easy first down, right? Right. They're not there anymore. When he does that, those guys are blanketed. And he's done it 30-something times rolling to his right. You know how many completions? How many? Five. Yikes. A pass rating of, like, two. Yeah, not good. So teams have figured out what it is Baker does when he has the tendency to, you know, make these sort of bail from the structure plays – and are shutting that down. So when you kill something that was a positive in terms of being able to play outside of structure, when teams have essentially figured out the tendency that you have, what you do when you do that, and have killed that, then you add in the fact that overall he's been less accurate, The uh, the sort of play calling and passing game has been less effective, so the stuff in structure is worse as well. This is the problem with the Browns is that everything is wrong, but everyone wants to focus only on Baker because he's right. the quarterback and he's the guy mouthing off to reporters and the guy drawing all of that attention to himself but the it's really everything coming together at once and
0: magnifying all of these problems um but he's the guy copping all of the abuse uh really quick on the other side the browns had greedy williams and denzel ward on the field together yeah finally
1: and it actually made a difference yeah they looked shockingly decent
0: aided by a rainstorm yes but they got a shot here so i'm taking cleveland same in this one everyone except neil does he know about Brandon Allen? It's hard to tell. Man, there's three more games. Three good games to get through. Green Bay Packers at the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Are you dying? Choked again. Okay. Just a minor choke? Are you about to... Oh, here we go. Recovered. Okay. Uh,
0: Packers or Chargers. What are you looking for?
1: I still think you should look into that. The idea that every now and again, you just, you know, almost die. Oh, man. I yeah. It's like a flaw. Also should have filled up my water. Well, yeah. Um, All right. Green Bay Packers. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this whole... Aaron Rodgers run he's on. Um not I think we're starting to see the old Aaron Rodgers in terms of being more aggressive, in terms of targeting the middle of the field more, there's some of these spectacular plays in there. You can debate, you know, whether
0: or not he actually targeted the right guy in the end zone. No, but over the last few weeks he's certainly. Right. But we're starting
1: to make a lot we've always had the big plays. We've always had a relative lack of big mistakes, but it was the sort of frequency of where he was being or where he was targeting the ball right whether he was just throwing those back shoulder fades or back shoulder plays to everybody down the sideline which is safe which nobody's gonna pick off all that kind of stuff versus when you're actually aggressively going after the middle of the field and taking advantage of the fact that you're freaking Aaron Rodgers and you can make plays most people can he's starting to do more of that now and consequently he's looking better than he's looked for a number of years I hope that continues you hope it continues I do because Look, it's like
0: Hashtag fun It's to like
1: watch. the yeah, it's like the scare everybody got when Patrick Mahomes went down and his kneecap was facing the wrong way. I was like, "Crap, we just lost the most fun player to watch in the NFL for the season." Right? Like, shit. Aaron Rodgers is the same thing, right? It's it's like <laughs> the the league is a better place when Aaron Rodgers is playing like peak Aaron Rodgers.
0: The uh Chargers defense a little bit of a disappointment. You know, it, I think it more shows just how difficult it is to bank on quality defense year over year guy like Casey Hayward still playing all right but when you lose Derwin James it's tough um certainly to replace him it's been uh just they've they've been questionable opposite Casey Hayward over the last few years anyway even when they were good it was just like I don't know if anybody is truly going to hold up over there uh Desmond King has regressed a touch this year so they're not covering as well he's made some weird mistakes
1: as well Desmond King yeah for a guy that you know I I you doing the direction of that YouTube video where it was like him breaking down tape and showing you how good he is at processing all this stuff mentally, both pre and post-snap. And he's made some weird mistakes where it's like, what the hell were you even doing there?
0: Yeah, and that was part of, I think, why he was so good at Iowa. Like, route recognition was great and just didn't miss tackles. And there was uh, a lot to like about his game in that respect. Aaron Rodgers has a league high, four touchdowns on screen passes. That includes the tap passes. Yeah. So I mean if you're just looking for here's a difference in Aaron Rodgers game last year to this year why are the stats better just the screen game alone has been extremely productive for them getting guys like Aaron Jones in space whether it's on the tap or on the you know the the normal smoke screen type of type of look like they did last week.
1: Mhm. I am going with the Packers.
0: I'm also going with the Packers, right? So is everybody. Yeah. You uni- yeah, I always universe- go for Packers. Unanimous. is the word I was shooting for new England Patriots (laughs) at the Baltimore Ravens Sunday night football. It's Sunday night football and the best challenge of the season for new England. So definitely
1: like, I mean, not you could, you could make the case that it's the first challenge of the season for the new England Patriots so far, um, which is what makes this a really interesting game. I think it's the first decent team they face. And I think it's the first decent or decent challenge slash quarterback they faced. Um, so this game, to me, become plus it's in Baltimore, which can't hurt. This game is going to be interesting to see how Bill Belichick plays his defense against this offense in Baltimore, which is the thing that makes them so fascinating is that every time they play somebody, it's a unique prospect because nobody out there plays the game the way Lamar Jackson does. So even if they're not playing well, which they kind of are, um, it's, gonna be, it's an intriguing, unique challenge that they're not going to see every week. So you're going to see something different. Now – The Patriots' defense is on otherworldly pace in terms of yards, statistics, all kinds of stuff. They've scored as much as they've allowed to be scored on them. It's really crazy. Which is – all these things are insane. They've allowed, like, what, seven points a game or something like that, which the 85 Bears were at, like, 12, right? Yeah. Um, So it's ridiculous numbers. Um, You expect that to come down to earth a bit at some point. um, But now they have to do it against something they haven't seen before or at least defended yet this season, which is this idea of Lamar Jackson as a legitimate running threat, a ball carrier on their perimeter, and what that does to the passing game, right? Because just like Louisville, when you have to account for him in the run game that way, suddenly you lose bodies on the back end and people end up leaking into free space like Mark Andrews consistently, which is why he's Lamar Jackson's number one target. So that's the thing I'm most fascinated by is this Belichick, lamar dynamic in this game
0: that's exactly what i'm looking for yeah. because you know when belichick faces less mobile quarterbacks like aaron Rodgers, like patrick mahomes russell wilson they always focus on keeping him in the pocket mm-hmm. even if the guys can crush you from the pocket he's just like man i definitely don't want you breaking contain i want to know where you are
1: particularly when they play a lot of man coverage like, right. that's the worst thing to happen right is a guy breaking loose in the open field when everybody's got their back to him
0: right so that's one of those they get their edge defenders they're like hey compress the pocket don't lose pad level. Don't get behind the quarterback. Compress the pocket. Keep them in. Now, it's always easier said than done because sure. you're facing incredible athletes that can break out. But the goal is always to keep them in, make them win, you, uh, you know, win against you, make plays from the pocket. So they try to do that against Aaron Rodgers. Imagine what he's going to do with Lamar Jackson. And then even against an Aaron Rodgers, you're like, okay, I could still play a man back there. Because, okay, you know, if he picks up a 10-yard run here and there, we still want to challenge every throw because he'll pick us apart. In zone, I think Lamar, I think they're going to try to get really creative, do a ton of pre-snap stuff, and just end up playing a lot more zone than they usually do. I think ultimately they 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 do that. And Lamar has done, if you just talk about improvements, maybe the biggest improvement is the turn of a worthy place. Because last year, I used the fumble grade a lot. Second worst fumble grade in the NFL this year. It It's in the 70s, which is good. And he's just behind Brady in turnover worthy play percentage, avoiding them. Brady's third, he's fourth. So Lamar's doing a really good job of taking care of the ball. Yeah. And you could say and this is it kind of goes back to what we said before. Like it's if you get more favorable looks or if teams um you know, you just you don't have to force passes if you can take off and pick up some yards with your legs and you pick your spots and all that stuff. So um it, it'll be a, a great matchup. I think the other side's a really great matchup, too, because you got those playmakers and Marcus Peters and Earl Thomas. You have a Patriots offense that's still trying to find their way. They're not they're not great right now. I want to see how much they can you know really incorporate Mohamed Sanu and Julian Edelman. I mean, this is allegedly the Patriots take the first half of the season, figure out what they are. And then it's like, all right, we're getting into November, guys. Let's let's start to get good at some stuff and see what we're good at. Yeah, um, I don't truly believe all that because it's like, all right, they're already eight now. How much better are they going to get? But they really want to find what their identity is on offense, and they have to—they got to figure it out in these next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, um, and it, their sort the of biggest weakness on that offense might be the offensive line in spots, but Baltimore doesn't necessarily have the horses to take advantage of it. Our biggest criticism of the Ravens' defense has been this lack of legit pass rush, particularly on the edge. So, can they take advantage of the fact that the Patriots? Have some holes on that offensive line, or is it just that sort of neutralization of both? Right, you don't right. have
0: any pass protection. We don't have any pass rush. There's going to be no pressure in this game. The the Ravens also have the style of defense that has given the Patriots some trouble in recent years, where they they'll scheme up some five man pressures. Yeah, and and they don't have to win a bunch of one on one matchups. They'll just kind of find a way to find a to grab a free rusher, play a little man coverage behind, and um. You know, challenge some throws. So they've got the weapons. It should be they get the weapons on defense. It should be a great matchup.
1: Yeah. I think this is be this is one of my favorite matchups of the week. I'm I'm happy it's on Sunday night football.
0: Where we shall be watching in prime time. You gonna be waiting all day for Sunday night? Yeah, just like the song. It's a fallacy. I'm gonna watch football all day. And then Sunday night's gonna, you know, turn up and I'm gonna watch more I'm gonna watch more football. Whatever. Song says waiting all night, so that's what I'll be doing.
1: Who you taking? Uh, Who am I taking? The Patriots. We have Neil and Nathan
0: and Solly all taking the Ravens. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think they're crazy, but I'm leaning Patriots.
0: So it's either going to be one of those games where I think where Lamar, maybe both things could happen. Lamar carries the ball like 12 times for like a buck 40 and it's prime time. And it's like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Or he's going to go like nine for 28 passing. Or both things are going to happen, and that's going to keep the Ravens in. I mean, if anybody's going to go nine for twenty-eight passing, Lamar's accuracy against this Patriots defense and how you know the tight windows that they create. Now should be a good one. I expect Lamar to have more success than others have yeah. against the Patriots defense. Final game that. of the week. Don't rush me out. I'm rushing you out. We're almost to two hours here. I know.
1: Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. I. I'm. I like your little summation here. What did you say this game was?
0: Prime time dimes. <laughs> yes. This is prime time, Danny dimes. Prime time dimes. This that's is it. A
1: great. That's a great little. Uh, uh, prime time dimes t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not a great t-shirt. It's a great. I. I don't know what the word is for that little amusing wordplay sound. It's not alliterative because the uh, rhyme. The things are all different. I guess it's it not alliteration, but right, it's something like that. That's yeah. A, what any- are the uh, what are the things? No, it's not that either.
0: I don't know. Anyway, good, though, Dak, like Dak, Danny won. Dak, Danny won. Dak, Eli, whatever. Yeah, happened earlier this year, and it's over. Yeah. Now it's Dak versus Danny. Eli two Yes, they're graded almost the same this year.
1: It's amazing. Like you, been, we've been since we basically made that comparison. We've been pulling up numbers left and right, and it's every time you look at any subset of anything. It's like Eli Manning, Daniel Jones right next to each other in terms of grading and frequency and stat. You know, it's, it's it's insane. They literally have found Eli Manning 2.0, albeit one, you know, he's got a little bit more of athleticism in the tank. Well, a lot more athleticism, but whatever. The, from a quarterback point of view, they appear to be basically the same human being. Um, and what makes that so fascinating is that if you went back and looked at Eli Manning's career and said what if he didn't win those two Super Bowls? Like, what if he didn't have those runs that we talk about with Kirk Cousins or with Jameis or whatever? If he didn't go on those runs and win a championship, would it even be a good career? Like, all right, he's he's hung around for a lot of time, but how much of that is just because he went on those runs? Like, Joe Flacco's hung around for half a decade based off the fact that back in the day, he went on a run of five games, got himself a $100 million contract. Now you're stuck with him. Like, how much of Eli Manning's durability in terms of, being a starter in the NFL was the memory, the rose-tinted memory of him hoisting a Lombardi trophy with a side eye to Tom Brady going, huh, "I got it this year twice." Um if you take those away, and obviously you can't, right? He yeah. know, he got them. But if you took if you said that you're going to have that that same guy repeat his career, I mean, he probably wouldn't go on those runs again because yeah, but they're I mean, unstable. run, you know, you don't know when they're going to come.
0: You could also take Eli Manning's career and then in 2014, make a reasonable decision to start flirting with other quarterbacks. Yeah. Like you could also just have made the decision four years earlier. Sure. But to I, move on. my
1: point is, is that overall, if he is an Eli Manning, he needs to time a run like Eli Manning in order for that to be a good thing. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like Kirk yeah. cousins, right? If, if Kirk cousins keeps being this roller coaster and times his amazing run, from week three to week nine every year or week you know he needs to time it from week 17 through to the Super Bowl otherwise it's not a good thing otherwise it doesn't help you any right you those guys that are high volatile you either need them to sustain it all the way through a year or you need them to time their run from the end of the year through to the Super Bowl where you can actually make a difference the well, same actually, way Flacco did well here's same the same way Eli did
0: it's the thing with Eli they missed the playoffs so many times because sure. he was a roller coaster right yeah so you can't like, if Cousins is terrible the entire season and they don't have a playoff run for him to go to get hot, then they don't have one. Yeah. Like that's what happened to Eli. Right. He didn't even have a playoff run to get hot at most of his career.
1: <laughs> yeah. And when he so, did, he did. Through his own fault half the time. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, Dan- look. But it's just, it becomes a fascinating thing, right? Because everyone thinks of Eli Manning as this tremendously... Like, people are talking about him for the Hall of Fame, for God's sake, because he's got two rings.
0: Let's not bring
1: up the Eli thing again. I'm just saying that that, because Danny Dimes is the same thing, it's not... Like, overall, at the moment, the balance of of an Eli is not a good quarterback. Yeah. And so far, Danny Dimes is trending in that direction, which is to say he makes way more mistakes than he does good things. eh,
0: I'm not ready to say that completely i'm not
1: ready to say it is because you know small sample sizes yada 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 but that's what's that's what it looks like what uh, the hell has just been tweeted with us in space helmets what's going on i the podcast people have tweeted things with us in a in weird space helmets hang on they've also Where's tweeted it? the
0: pics so i'm gonna mute, um, yeah, right I'll let the, mute the pics but uh wait till i find this for you uh mute this conversation or was that a while ago? It's not that I don't want your feedback on our picks. I just don't want your feed pick, uh, feedback on, say, uh, Ratcliffe's picks and uh, Nathan's mm-hmm. picks and Sam's picks. Also, like, I, don't...
1: I, just, I don't want seven million.
0: And actually, most of, of the fans. feedback is like, "You idiot! You didn't pick my team." So
1: yeah, that, I don't want that.
0: Bring some stronger analysis. You guys bring some stronger analysis. Um, anyway, I like I like this NFC East. Uh, you got Dak. You got Wentz. You got Daniel Jones. They're all gonna. You get the Redskins. What is this? Yeah, I don't know what that
1: is. We're in space helmets for some reason.
0: I don't know why that is. Hmm. Why are they one bar uh,
1: kicker helmets? One bar kicker helmets. It's a spe- apparently it's a special Halloween edition of our podcast. And we really should have dressed up. I've dressed up. I mean, I'm,
0: I'm creeping back. Did to you what see?
1: Uh, did you see Renner and Austin dress up for their podcast? They
0: did. You guys got to check that out.
1: Yeah, Renner dressed it, uh, dressed up as John Dorsey and Austin dressed up as Baker Mayfield. So it's, it's on
0: the YouTube channel it's already. Quite
1: the sight to see. And if you're not listening to their podcast, download it in your podcast, your audio medium of
0: choice, two for one drafts, two for one drafts, or hit it on the YouTube channel. Anyway, this I game really, I walked in today. I was like, man, John Dorsey is here. Yeah. I didn't see Austin until the show. I saw Renner just, you know, hanging out at his desk. Yeah. Look all Dorsey style.
1: So, okay. If I'm not allowed to compare Danny Dimes with Eli Manning, what are you talking about?
0: I don't know. Danny does some nice things. He does some bad things. Let's see if we can cut down on the mistakes here against Dallas.
1: Isn't that like the Eli Manning conversation for the last 10 years? Yeah, but you got to put a little bit more like hope behind it for the Giants.
0: Why? Or or does a Giants fan say, heck yeah, I'll take Eli Manning?
1: Well, that's the thing. They probably would because Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. I can't assure
0: you those Super Bowls. All right, now now we're going in circles. Mm -hmm. Dak's playing pretty well this year. Should be able to keep it up against this Giants secondary. Giants traded for Lenny Williams. Lenny, yeah. Larger Lenny. Yes. Even larger, Lenny Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence is playing great against the run. I mean, the Giants obviously, are. Yeah, where they need loading needed, up, where they needed to stockpile bodies was in the middle of that defensive line. They got it just in time to slow down Zeke. Perfect. Now this should be a, this should be a good matchup. I want to see. Listen, we are so crazy about primetime games sometimes, and then letting that define people. Whatever Jones does here <laughs> is going to define what people think about him. Because it's Dallas, it's Sunday night football. If he's great, people are going to love him again. Um, yeah. Well, if he's not great, they're going to be like, why were we hyping him?
1: This is 100% true, right? If, if Daniel Jones has one of his better games in this game, everybody who was taking victory laps after a start one will be back for another round. They're like, see, told you. You're writing him off, you moron. I think there's a what lot of people who touchdowns? already are.
0: It doesn't even matter what the, what he does, though. They're just like of that mind.
1: There's no way, though, that any like any anyone taking a victory lap, including the Giants' Twitter, by the way, after his first start, the last few weeks has got to have had like you know been hiding behind their hands, going, "Uh oh, like, yeah." Hopefully, nobody digs up that tweet again. Otherwise, I'm going to look kind of stupid. Like you can't, you can Over the last three weeks, you can't be thinking that's it's <laughs> hey, still good. He's still amazing. I'm happy. Which is you know probably why you shouldn't make yeah. sweeping declarations after one game.
0: As far as other things to just watch for in this game Giants pass rush has not been great Dexter Lawrence of among defensive linemen with enough with over 100 snaps Dexter Lawrence has the top pass rush grade the rookie defensive uh, interior defensive lineman Uh 63 you have O'Shane Simenez at 62 Marcus Golden at 60 you got BJ Hill at 60 you've got Dalvin Tomlinson at 59.9 uh, that was kind of as expected. They have coming so, in this year. So many big run defending bodies inside. Why yes. did they? Tra- and they just got Leonard Williams. Why to did add they do that to the mix? Oh, that run will be stopped. <laughs> yeah.
1: it's a shame nobody wants to do. Like nobody's running the ball anyway.
0: I think they still believe in. We don't need linebackers. We're the Giants. We it don't really, believe in linebackers. It so it really if you just stock move. up on D linemen. It really was a move that only Dave Gettleman could love. Look, Leonard Williams has had a nice career.
1: Yeah. But as a, you know, but you got a stuff stuff specialist, it doesn't rush the pass particularly well and oh look, we already have at least 3 of them. Yeah. Not great. Maybe they just felt that having traded away Damon Harrison, we needed to add the fourth back. You know, we we got rid of one guy, it turns out that wasn't the best move we made. We, we need this we need four defensive run stuffing interior linemen. otherwise this thing doesn't work. Just to uh
0: Look, just I'm, to big I'm just
1: giving you the evidence here, right? We trade away Damon Harrison. Suddenly, the defense isn't as good. Or go, we need a new
0: big body interior guy so to add Williams to our rotation. Will tra- this will be the week. Maybe they pull the upset. Anybody taking the upset? Uh, no. Nobody believes in primetime dimes. Prime All right, that's it. Times. Show end. We're done. Okay. Yeah. Great job, Sam. We did it. We previewed Week Nine of the NFL in under three hours. Just about. Yeah. We also got a Manscaped read in there. So it's not like we were just. We did. Manscaped.com. Get the Lawnmower 2.0 and other goodies. Shave your pumpkins. PFF is the promo code. Manscaped.com. Go check it out. And uh, thanks to all of our sponsors Mm -hmm. on this podcast. We'll be back Monday for a little week nine review. So you guys enjoy the weekend.